Blog Talk Radio. Please stay tuned for Brandon's Buzz. I'm Joan Van Ark, and the buzz is... So if you feel that you just can't take it, and your world isn't what it seems, don't forget that life can be what you make it, baby, when you live on a street of dreams. Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon's Buzz. Place to be. Hi, this is Peggy Scott Addison. Guess what? I am buzzing with my man, Brandon on Brandon Buzz. This is Michael Brainerd on Brandon's Buzz. Are you Buzz? This is Maya Bialik, and you are lucky enough to be listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hey guys, welcome to Brandon's Buzz. It's June 17th, 2009. I am Brandon. It's 10 p.m. here in Texas, 11 p.m. back east, 8 p.m. out in sunny California, and it's a great show tonight, and I have some great shows lined up. Uh, I want to tell you quickly about tomorrow. Tomorrow I've got a fantastic singer-songwriter by the name of Brenda Russell. Uh, You remember her, I'm sure, from her late 80s smash, Piano in the Dark. She's coming on to talk about her extraordinary career. She wrote the score for The Color Purple on Broadway, she wrote the score for uh, How Stella Got Her Groove back uh, on film about 10 years ago, and she's a great, great lady, and I can't wait to speak with her. That's tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, uh, right here at Brandon's Buzz. Next week, I've got two great shows lined up. One of them, a return visit from Beth Maitland from The Young and the Restless, and her new business partner, Joel Brooks. Uh, uh, two great actors, and they've formed a great new audition, kind of audition uh, techniques and audition instruction site entitled Auditions LA. And she told us a little bit about this when she was on the show back in February, and now she and Joel are coming on to formally introduce the site and tell us all about it, and it's going to be a great conversation about acting, about life. It's going to be great fun. I had a blast with her back in February, and I can't wait to talk to her again. That's next Tuesday. Uh, the time escapes me right now, uh, but you can find out all the information at my site, www.blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz or my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. Also next week, next Thursday, I've got a great conversation with a great actress named Terry Garber. Uh, a whole generation remembers her from North and South, I'm sure, the, the great miniseries from the 80s. Uh, she was also on Santa Barbara. She was on As the World Turns a couple years ago. And she's coming by to talk about the soaps and talk about her extraordinary career in North and South and acting and life and it's going, to be, it's going to be great fun. So I've got some great shows lined up for the rest of this week and all next week. Uh, and as I said at the, at the beginning, you can find me at brandonsbuzz.com or at www.blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz. Uh, and from there, you can download the show. You can listen to old shows. You can shoot me an email. You can tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. You can leave comments. You can do all kinds of things. Uh, and, you know, I, I welcome any and all comments, criticism, questions, uh, anything you want to throw my way, by all means do. You can also find me at iTunes. I'm on iTunes, guys. Uh, If you just type in Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box, scroll down to the podcast section, click on my logo. From there, you can subscribe to the show and have each episode automatically upload to your iTunes uh, the minute it is uploaded to the iTunes Music Store. Or you can download old individual shows as podcasts and listen to them from your iPod or from your computer. 
uh, and that's great fun. So I'm all over the Internet. There is no excuse not to be able to find me. Just Google Brandon's Buzz, and something will surely come up that will point you in my direction. Uh, and, and please do. I, you know, the show is growing all the time, and I'm having great fun doing it. So uh, please keep listening, and please keep you know, finding ways to get in touch with me. Um, so as I said, great shows next week, a great show tomorrow, and a great show tonight. You know, in the initial late 90s dot-com boom, he was a pioneer for online journalists with the groundbreaking daytime website Soap City. And though the site folded long ago, its legacy most certainly lives on through various online portals, including his own latest venture on air on soaps. In fact, it's, I think it's quite fair to say that without his blood, sweat, and tears in those early days, there could be no Brandon's Buzz. But there is a Brandon's Buzz, and we are so thrilled to welcome to it tonight one of the most influential and well-regarded journalists in the soap world for an in-depth roundtable of the hot news of the day. What a great treat to welcome to my show this evening, the funny, the intelligent, the supremely opinionated Michael <laughs> Fairman. Hello. How are I you do, doing, I'm more, sir? I'm not only, I'm more excited that Brenda Russell's coming on tomorrow. <laughs> Can I just she... tell you, Piano in the Dark is like one of my very, very favorite, all-time favorite songs. Me totally. too. I, it's it's I, my I, opinion I, that like, it's oh one God, of the... Oh my Russell, I gotta call in. <laughs> it's one of the 20 best songs of all time, in my opinion. Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's terrific, and she's done so much, and she, I always felt she was so underrated, you know? Me too, and you know, you're researching her in preparation of this interview, I had no idea that she wrote the score for The Color Purple on Broadway. Oh, yeah. And she's a, she's a very well-regarded film score now, and oh, I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. She's yeah, it's going to be great fun talking to her. All right, well, that's a kudo for you. I can't wait to... <laughs> That's tomorrow, 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, right here at Brandon's Buzz. So, you know, before we dive into all the soap stuff, uh, let's talk a little bit about you and your, your life and your history. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Where did you go to school? <laughs> I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Wow, and, okay. Yeah, I'm from the Midwest. Okay. And uh, grew up there, went to school there, and I decided when I was done with high school that I wanted to pursue a career in performing because I sang and I acted and I wanted to actually be an R&B pop singer and I had recorded and I was trying to get a publishing deal and doing all sorts of things kind of in the recording industry. And then I always had this passion of soap operas like many of us that are doing shows like yours and that are yeah. online that many of us that I've met through the years, you know, it, it all starts with the passion. You follow your passion and what do you sure. do with information? And I had all this information, like, you know, the storylines I followed soap since I was nine years old. And uh, things happened in my career. I was, I did a lot of publicity. I did publicity for MCA Records in New York. I worked at Catch a Rising Star, the comedy clubs in New York, doing publicity for them. And at that point, um, I, I was able to do the first daytime benefit for, for AIDS um, right before the Emmy Awards in 1988 wow. or 89. And that was how I first took the knowledge of what I had and my love of it. And I created this first event. And it was Night of the Daytime Stars, and it was in New York at Catch a Rising Star. And we had a lot of different – we had Linda Dano, Dr. Ruth Westheimer, A. Martinez, Marcy Walker. Um, you know, it was that group back then. Um, Michael Zaslow would play the piano. I oh, mean, wow. It was just an amazing time. And the money went to Amphar, which was Elizabeth Taylor's charity. And I did that for like three years. And through that, I really got my first taste of being in that world and knowing the players and getting to know who was who from the inside. And it was really started with that. And then how could I parlay that and do my passion and what jobs were there for that? 
And from that, I ended up becoming a producer for the Daytime Emmy Awards with Dick Clark Productions and had become a segment producer. So when you would see the clip packages of the nominees are, I would be responsible because I knew the soaps. What were those moments? What's that nugget that the fans want to see? What wow. represents their you know, acting? What are those tribute packages about? Because they didn't have anybody that knew the genre. You know, A lot of people work in production, but if they don't know the soap, uh-huh. it's hard for them to put on a representation of it. Mm-hmm. You know? And you know, if if you don't know the soaps, it's very easy to fall into the strap of 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 kind of stereotyping them and and you know setting forth the cliches. Right, and you exactly, and that's what happens a lot of times. I think a lot of us have seen over the years the daytime Emmy broadcast, and I think some of them have gone very south in recent years, <laughs> where <laughs> they they don't really to say represent, the least. Yeah, I mean, they don't represent the performances and what it's about. And then we always would see an Emmy broadcast in recent years, they fall back to talk shows and giving less, you know, less presenters were daytime soap stars. And people want to see their daytime soap stars if you're watching the daytime Emmys. I don't believe people want to see just Tyra Banks or, oh, sure. you know, whoever. Or um, Rachel Ray or, yeah. or Rachel Ray. LeVar Burton. Um, <laughs> LeVar Burton. <laughs> 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 or exactly. Who I think is doing a play out here. Um, I saw he was doing a one-man show or something. Um, but again, you know, I think you're right. If you don't know it and you're doing a production of it and you're putting on a show, you go to the lowest common denominator sometimes with soaps, what you think it's about. And if you yeah, don't have exactly. somebody there who knows it day in and day out, you're not representing it appropriately. So it's a real niche genre that we're all working in. And I think we all should cultivate it and enjoy it. And it's very hard to, you know, it's hard to get that message out to change people's perception and we're in a very difficult time right now with the economy and yeah. Guiding Light being canceled. Yeah. And, you know, we're losing soap operas and all the bad press that comes out with the no advertisers. And it's so bad that when you're trying out there, like we all do, to create new concepts or do new things, you really have to overcome a big hurdle with companies that don't get it. You need mm-hmm. to find an executive who's going to get it. And sometimes that's hard. So how long did how long were you a segment producer with the Emmys? Was it was it several years or was it several years? Yep, several years. I did I think the daytime Emmys for five or six years for Dick okay. Clark. Then I also did the Soap Opera Digest Awards. Okay. Because Dick Clark was doing that, and then of course those fell away. And I also did the Soap Opera MVP Awards. I don't know if anybody remembers those. <laughs> those were uh, on Lifetime Television, and that was Soap Opera Update Magazine. Okay. Yes. Had their own awards. Which is which is long gone defunct. Which is long defunct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had done all of those shows, and in the capacity of producing, and most it was clip package producing, I think. You know, the Soap Opera Digest Awards was always such a fun show, and in many ways it was classier than the Emmys, believe it or not. I mean, as strange as that sounds to say. Well, it, I, don't, I would say that it was more celebratory of the genre than the Emmys at times, and I think it was fun. Like, I remember I would used to go there... Um, and I would do the party before, and I would do interviews with everybody, and it was really fun because like everybody was there because it isn't just those limited nominees of twenty nominees mm-hmm. that were sent out um, to New York or to L.A. There was the whole group, and um, it was a great show. And it, was, it was fun, and it was kitschy a little bit because the categories were you know outstanding villain <laughs> or villainess. Yeah, exactly. Or a love story, or a favorite couple, love story, or a favorite couple. Exactly. The problem with that was, as you know, the days of our lives would win everything. Well, sure. Yeah, sure. so it became kind of ridiculous because it was like such a popularity <laughs> thing. That it's just like, okay, well, it's days. Just 
why we bother. But, you know, toward the end, General Hospital figured out how to galvanize their fan base. and Exactly. And they started... exactly. <laughs> there was that whole controversy about the, who bought up the most magazines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, it General, was it Jill Farron Phelps buying magazines? No, I think it was, I think it was Wendy oh, no, no, Rich. No. That... It was Wendy Rich. Exactly. Yeah. You're, I, you're correct. It was Wendy Rich, who I, <laughs> who I just saw the other day sitting in a coffee shop. <laughs> what is she up to now? Do we know? No. I did not talk to her. She was deep in conversation, but she is wow. around, and and I think she's working on other projects. <clears throat> you know, speaking of speaking of Wendy, Anthony Gary made some recent comments that kind of blew her out of the water, and and they were you know they were uh, quite vitriolic in their in their uh, intent. Uh, do you know where that came from? Because you know he's never really spoken ill of her in the past that I that I can recall. I know. I was. It, it really, kind of came out of nowhere. I think. I think so too. And he took a lot of flack for that entire interview, and then also the whole thing about, you know, Luke cheating on Laura, uh, with Holly. And yeah. I, you know, uh, look, we have uh, history gets rewritten, <laughs> and actors have to justify, the actions of the writers. Uh huh. And I think sometimes we have to understand that that's what the writers come up with, or that's all they came up with. Um, you know, I, I'm just dovetailing into the Holly thing for a minute. I just felt that that was kind of what, it, you know, what was the point? It was two weeks of she finally said something, and I still don't know if it's really true. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tristan Rogers comes on his website uh-huh. and goes, I think this is really stupid. <laughs> they never asked me that. And I interviewed Emma, and I had a really nice interview with Emma, and, you know, she's very you know, she knows how to play the game. She she talks, she says the right things, and uh, but she's a lovely woman. I just felt like they didn't, it was two weeks of, couldn't they have used her a little more? Yeah. I kept waiting for the, you know, moments when she'd be on. And they're, they're exactly. Exactly. You know, so I, I'll admit I haven't watched in a couple of weeks. Do we know who Ethan is definitively or no? Well, we're, we've been left with that he's Luke's son. But the but way we, it was done was he is, he isn't, he is, he isn't, he is. Yeah, he is. so we don't know and for I, sure. And by that point, I was, and then now he's not on the show because he's on in Amsterdam. <laughs> Tony Geary, that is. Yes, Tony yes. Geary, that is. Um, but today, I, was, I just saw Martha Byrne say, you don't know who I am, I'm the mayor's wife, which was <laughs> great. And it was so great to see her. And I was reading on a lot of message boards how people were very happy to see her. I am speaking with her tomorrow for Soap Break. And we do have an interview tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to talking to her, and I can give you more after I personally speak to her, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. So, Well, you know, it, it's so great that she's back. You know, when, when news broke that she was becoming a writer on Bold and Beautiful, we thought, well, maybe, maybe she's walking away from acting for good. And it's so great that, that someone's brought her back, you know, in a, in a, even if it's just a recurring role, it's still a pretty prominent role from what I understand. It is a prominent role, and it's part of the arc of the story with the Mayor Floyd story. Like Brianna, it's, I love Brianna Hughes, right? Brianna. <laughs> Brianna, <laughs> Brianna Hughes. And, uh, you know, I like the fact that it's an arc of the story, and I will see how it goes. I mean, yeah. she's very talented. She's very missed. And, you know, every time I spoke with Paula Saganti and Van Hansis and mm-hmm. everyone from As the World Turns involved with her, it's always like, I miss Martha. I miss Martha. Sure. I mean, you know, there, there's such a void on air, and I know that Noelle is there, and she's doing the best she can, but she's, it's just, it's still not Lily. It's just not. Well, I think Noelle is actually doing a good job, and I think she's actually, at this point, kind of making it her own. And again, Noelle's a great lady. I, I enjoyed her talking to her as well. It's just hard for some, some of us to have watched for so long to see this version of Lily. And... Uh, 
but Noelle's giving it her best shot. She she certainly is, and it's no knock against her, but no, you no, know no, she sure. was she was thrown into a pretty untenable situation, and and she admitted yeah. it in the interview we did. I know she said basically, if I had known when I said yes what I was stepping into, Absolutely. I don't know if I would have said yes. Absolutely. And she looked back on it, and she was like, I don't know what the hell I just did. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, it's funny she would say that because she's a soap veteran. She knows she knows the drill. Well, I thought it was really funny in the interview I did. I said, oh, I see Robert Tyler at my gym. She goes, you do? I said, yeah, he's there all the time. She goes, I said, do you want to stay in touch with him? She says, no, please tell him my, my love. And I said, okay. So Robert Tyler's walking into the gym, and I go, hi, you don't know me. I'm Michael Sherman. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a trucker. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I, I said, hi, Michael Fairman, and I just interviewed Noel Beck. He goes, oh, yeah? And I go, yeah. And she sends her, her regards to you. And he goes, that's great. You tell her my regards, too. And I went, okay. <laughs> so I was able to pass a message between Trucker and Trisha. Wow. So so he's there. So, so let's talk about the soaps. What's your favorite soap right now? What What's the one that you can't wait to get to and, and watch? I've been Y&R and okay. One Life to Live. Yeah. have been the two that I can't wait to see. Um, I think Y&R has done some, is doing some amazing cross-secting of storylines, and almost each one of the stories seems really interesting to me, and I can't kind of wait, wait to see what happens next. One Life to Live poetically, lyrically, and just the way, like today was, you know, Kathy Breyer's last day. Yeah. I blogged about it on my site tonight, and I think people could read my tribute to Kathy. I adore Kathy Breyer. I think she was tremendous in the role of Marcy, and I'm so sad to see her leave. And I love the poetic justice for her being pregnant and them leaving <laughs> on a happy note. And just the way the show ended um, with, I think it was the time of your life that David Cook song was being sung by the students in Matthew's school, and Matthew was playing the piano, and they would sing that song, and they would cut away to you know, Jessica grieving over Chloe's grave and starring wow. Cole seeing baby, uh, being with baby Hope and Marcy and Michael getting ready to leave for Seattle and Bo and Nora holding each other's hands. I mean, it's those little poetic moments that I yeah. think One Life to Live does better than any show. Um, and I've been blown away over the past few weeks by Brie Williamson and Absolutely, Eric Lazak. And I, the whole thing was gut-wrenching. Chris, Kristen Alderson, who I adore, the whole thing played out really nicely, and I thought it was really well done. And I'm kind of sad to see that whole story end, uh, but it was going on for too long. But it really had a good payoff. I really had a good payoff. I loved the other day when we saw Marcy bring the baby back to Star. Um, I thought that was great. And then Y&R... I mean, the acting of Michelle Stafford through this whole entire Nick Sharon debacle has been phenomenal. Peter Bergman, who I haven't liked in recent months, I thought really rose to the occasion. I'm dying to know what's going to happen with Mary Jane and her dead cat. (laughs) (laughs) Who I'm talking to tomorrow. I'm talking to Stacey Heidi tomorrow, too. So that'll be interesting. Um, You know, that I'm I'm looking forward to um, seeing how that plays out because we know she's going to be Patty. Williams, um, and I, I'm not quite sure what's going on with the art thing. And of course, next week I hear that Adam, too, and Rafe. There's going to be something with making a move on Rafe yeah. to cover up what he's doing on the gaslighting of Ashley, which is kind of bugging me. 
the doctor being blackmailed, yeah. having an hysterical pregnancy, but it's all kind of keeping your interest. What do you well, like I, right now? You know, I'll tell you what's great about YNR, and, and I, I'll admit that I find way too much of that show very easy to fast-forward through. Mm-hmm. But the but the storylines that are hot, you you watch you watch them day to day, and you literally have no idea what's going to happen next. I mean, you really you really can't tell where it's going. No, and that's you know, exactly and why not? Yeah, exactly. You don't know. I'm actually surprised. Absolutely. Every day. Yeah. Every day. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's a great way to write a soap, and it, and it's kind of like, oh yeah, you know, so many soaps you watch, and you you can tell on day one where it's where it's going to end, where it's headed, what's going to happen six months from now. And you know, you watch this show, and like I said, way too much of it is still very tempting to fast forward through. But, <laughs> but you know, the storylines that are working, you have no idea what's going to happen next. It's very well crafted. It's very well crafted, and and there are things, of course, that I don't like. Like I said, I don't know what's going on with the art thing, and I am waiting to find out, obviously, about Tom Beards and the Philip, which they're moving forward next week with that. Absolutely, with Philip. Um, and we're all waiting for John Driscoll, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Where does that happen? <laughs> it's supposed yeah. to happen sometime in July, is it not? Yeah, so I'm just like, is it time yet? <laughs> well, because, you know, it was announced so long ago. It leaked out so soon. Yeah. And he hasn't been on yet, so it's kind of like, okay. Yeah. Um, but that's coming up, so I'm very interested to see what happens. And I'll tell you, One Life has just been gut-wrenching lately. I mean, you know, I was watching it with my boyfriend a couple weeks ago when mm-hmm. the whole when the whole uh, Hope Chloe thing came to a climax, and I was sitting here just bawling, I and was he wasn't, bawling. yeah, he he wasn't really laughing at me or mocking me, but he was just you know curious why I was crying, and and I was trying to explain to him that I remember when Star was born, I remember when Jessica was born on that show, so you know it's it, it, it it's one of those things that soaps and soaps exclusively do best, and you you can't get that kind of payoff from any other genre of entertainment. No, you can't. And the way that they built this, exactly, the investment in the characters the investment that you watch every day to wait for the payoff, and you're in on the ride. And the scenes where Vicky was in the house with Jessica trying to get her to admit the baby died um, during the storm was incredible. And they both were incredible. And then it continued after that, then the day that uh, Brie Williamson had to say goodbye to the baby. I mean, it was all like five hankies. And she was explaining to Bree why her, her little sister was going away. I know. It was terrible. It was terrible. And I really loved Bree Williamson in this. And usually I sometimes think she can be you know, a little histrionic at times. Yes. This played really perfectly. Yes. I'll tell you, the unsung hero of that story was Mark Lawson. I think that kid is incredible, and he's very underrated. I don't know if he's underrated, because I think he gets a lot of good... I think there's been a lot of good things about him, good press on him. I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, they're going to actually, this is going to be a full-fledged romance that's going to have twists and turns. And we've only seen him kind of as a spoiler in that Rex um, uh, Gigi thing originally. Um, But I think he's very good. I'm so glad they found another love interest for Jessica. (laughs) And, you know, one that's so credible. I mean, they have have amazing chemistry together. They are really great together. Yeah, yeah. And they look good on screen. I mean, they they look look good together. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw Dorian go nuts yesterday. <laughs> so Robin Strasser got to have a little tour de force. Um, what were they thinking showing A. Martinez the door? Was it I, money? No, I don't think so. I don't think it was money. I mean, I talked with A. Uh, when he started the role, and I know he was going back and forth from Los Angeles to, to do it. 
And at the time, we weren't, he was not sure, you know, what they were going to do. I said, well, are you going to have a romance with Robin Strasser? And he hinted at me that's what he thinks they were going to do, but he really wasn't sure. I literally spoke to him at the very beginning of Ray Montez. Um, I, I don't know if it was money or it was just a short-term thing that he wasn't going to commit to because his family's in Los Angeles. And I don't know if he was going to commit to a longer time to going back and forth unless perhaps they were going to make a more solid deal for him. You know, a more long-term thing. Yeah. It, it, but him showing the door was really odd. I didn't love the character of Ray. I didn't love it um, as much as I've loved, you know, everything else he's done. Yeah. Well, you know, the way he was introduced with him being in prison and him being kind of shady, it was hard to really get a handle on him. Oh, Especially, it was. You know, when he turned so heroic at the end. I mean, it was hard to... It was hard to buy it. It was hard. It, well, it was hard for it to be credible. Well, the problem was, was for the writing was I didn't know which end was up, so I didn't know. Well, okay, is he a sneak or do I like him? Or I, I, I couldn't figure it out. I didn't also figure out Dorian's like all of a sudden infatuation with the man she shot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget when that when that when the woman turned into Mel. At the airport, when she was buying <laughs> magazines, and she had that gun, and I'm thinking, okay, she shot the guy. Now she likes him. I, you know, it was just... <laughs> although I did like the, the Mel woman who would show up, and she, and she called. You know, what I'm talking about. There was yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. I thought that was a great little touch, but then I'm sure I, it just didn't make sense. And I'm really glad they put away Lola. <laughs> absolutely, and you know uh, if they. If they want to stash Stacy in the room right next to her, have right at it. I, oh, I can't stand it. <laughs> I can't stand it. <laughs> How much I, longer are we going to have to put up with her? I don't know, but I just want Rex. I can't believe. Oh, and, and I'm speaking to JP tomorrow. Tomorrow's a soap break tape day, so we, wow. I'm speaking to a lot of these people tomorrow. And I am speaking to JP, and I do know I'll really get the skinny on what he thinks. <laughs> About this, I said he must—he must be the worst private investigator in the universe. Well, where is his brain? Oh my <laughs> God, where is his brain? And I want to know, and I will ask him, how do you feel about playing like you've had to dummy down, completely dummy down, Rex? I mean, he was a street smart kid originally. Can he be this stupid? And Stacy's taking over the show. <laughs> and I did Listen. you see the online? Did you see that online? Um, animation of Stacy in Landfair. No, was, I didn't. You know how we do, you know the Platt Falls group that does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was an animated one of Stacy in a bikini in Landfair, going, "I'm Stacy. I've taken over the show. I've taken over <laughs> Landfair. I'm on all the time. I can't get off this show. The whole show revolves around me." Um, at the but beginning, they were they were like, playing her five full days a week. I mean, it was just ridiculous. I know. It's the problem with it is it's too predictable a spoiler. You know, it's too predictable. Like you know, it's just you have to suspend belief and go. How did Rex get this absolutely <laughs> dumb? <laughs> and you know, I mean, there there are so many ways to to write. If you, I mean, if you wanna if you wanna bring her in as a spoiler for Rex and Gigi. There are so many better ways to write it. I mean, there just are. Well, I do know that, obviously, they figure out the truth, and, of course, it's going to be too late <laughs> because the two of them will have done the deed. Yeah, and, and she'll turn up pregnant. And then... uh, you know, 
I just wish Crystal Hunt would have less airtime. <laughs> <laughs> so we got big breaking news coming out of Days this week. Crystal Chappelle's coming back. Wally Kurth is coming back. Uh, what's the scoop on this? I know you talked to Crystal today. No, I talked to Crystal yesterday. Yesterday. And the interview will be on advocate.com on Friday, the full interview. You can read some of her quotes tomorrow in my column. Soapside Advocate's Guide to Daytime will feature Crystal. Um, and is, we ha- is, is, this the, is this the final nail in Guiding Light's Coffin? Well, it, it doesn't look good. Okay. It doesn't look good. Um, you know, I think what really – Crystal really wanted to let me know and let the fans know this was a tremendously difficult thing for her. She had such a hard time after the news had come out that she – was going to go to days she you know even she felt bad over the weekend because she felt like a a big weight just fell um you know because she was the first one as we know that's announced she's leaving to another show um that we know is being you know is going to another show of the main court cast and because everybody had wanted otalia to continue and crystal did want Otalia to continue. I want everyone to know that she really did. She would have stayed with Guiding Light if it would have continued. She would have brought Otalia to the web if it would, if they would have found a place. And she would have brought it to another show. She believed in it. She believes that what what it stood for, you know, is is groundbreaking and what they've done. And that she wants, if if it's not her, the next wave to continue in the tradition of Otalia and the, and, and really wants to you know, continue to support gay rights and all of that. But um, she needed a job. She has a family of two children. Um, She was looking for work. She did not actually, she was thinking about calling Gary Tomlin, and she actually did get a call from him when she was out in L.A. just taking meetings, and it just seemed to be the right thing. You know, the irony of it all is, oh, my God, I'm so, I personally am so excited she's coming as Carly Manning because I loved Carly on Days. Oh yeah, my, you I know. Thought, no, I really, from the minute she was the beginning of Carly, with this girl's really good. And you have to remember back then she was the focal point of that show. She was the lead heroine. Absolutely. And so to have her back is such an exciting thing, and I God, I hope they write. And, it, it, you know, it was, such a, it was such a stunning thing when they fired her out of nowhere. I didn't bring that up. <laughs> But a but. No, I mean it was it was it was absolutely stunning when they did it. I mean it came out of nowhere. Yeah, well. Because at that time she was the star of the show. I mean she right. was the the central heroine, as you said. Right, and because of that, and I used to always I remember back when I was, you know, back reporting on it and doing this. I thought, oh my God, Crystal Chappelle's the best thing, and I really believed that. And so to hear that she's coming back as Carly, I was thrilled. And I think many people are thrilled. I think the, the the converse side of that is it's the end of the road for Otalia. And I think because the, nobody found a home for it from P&G and nobody, you know, it kind of put a big nail in the coffin, people are feeling. She does tell me, um, and you'll read the interview on Friday, that she does tell me that, you know, do they, you know, she thinks that she doesn't know what they're doing. And I believe she doesn't. I mean, she's not Procter & Gamble. She's not the show. Yeah. She knows that they're they're taping, and in August is the end of the tape days for Guiding Light, and and we talked about how would she feel, and you know how I said I'm going to be too emotional myself when the whole thing ends. <laughs> I mean I am. I mean it's really sad, and she says I don't even want to go there. She doesn't want to go there. 
Um, this is an actress who is completely dedicated to Guiding Light. She's completely dedicated to Otalia. It was a decision she did because she has to work as an actress. And But the emotion that she feels right now, she felt very conflicted. And I think you'll read about it in the interview, and um, I hope you all will take, you know, some time to check it out because I think it answers questions about you know a lot of the gay fans are feeling like she you know she didn't abandon anybody this is yeah. this is what what happened yeah it was um, just it was just bad timing I mean you know well it's just it ha- you know she didn't want to keep a secret she yeah. had had it for a couple she was a couple days she had sat with it before you know it came out and she doesn't believe in keeping secrets it's going to get out anyways and well and you can't keep a secret these days I mean you, there are just there are so many problem. different. So many different ways to find out. I mean, you just can't keep it anymore. Yeah, and that's the problem, I think. You know, we've all kind of convergence of social networking with Twitter and Facebook and sure. all these online sites, and I really feel, you know, the privacy of people is so, you know, I know we're all so in, compelled by what the intimate details of people's lives, but uh-huh. it feels like there's no separation at all anymore. Like, uh-huh. everybody's invading everybody else, and I don't know if I like that or not. I kind of, in some ways, don't. Um, but on the other hand, it's amazing what we can all find out. Absolutely, I mean, you know, I, I mean, so you know, so I'm very, you know, it's old school in one way, and yet I, I'm amazed <laughs> at where we've come. I'm not on Twitter yet. I know I need to get on Twitter. <laughs> I'm on Twitter, and I've been. I know you're I've all been, on Twitter. I'm yeah. going to get on Twitter next week. <laughs> I will be twittering, tweeting to all of you. I will. I promise. I've been asked, but I know my stuff will be like I'm sitting here waiting for Nancy Lee Grant. Is that what I should tell people? <laughs> You know, I I really didn't get it at first, but I think it's kind of cool now. I mean, it's you it know, it's cool. just a it, it, the world is as small as as the head of a pin these days. It just you know, it's it's really crazy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, tell me about this. It, is this a good move for Days bringing Crystal on? Oh, considering I, all the considering all the vets they've shown the door in the past year, is this? Well, a, I'm going to say this. I have to say this. As many of uh, so pundits and people, I think Days is actually becoming a bit more watchable right now. I think it's actually gotten rid of some of the, you know, when we all were going nuts that all these great veterans are being let go. I mean, they cut some of the fat off the show and kind of refocused it to a, you know, a younger group. And their budgets are, are streamlined, and they're being able to tell some compelling stories. Uh-huh. Um, I think certainly there is a void. We don't have, I mean, other than Allison Sweeney, who is the lead? Who is the lead woman on the show? I mean, let's make it Crystal. You so, know, sure, yeah. I mean, we need. Uh, I'd like to see a real heroine that I like. She said she'd like to see her come back a little sassier this time, <laughs> a little bit more like Olivia, like a Carly Point Two Point Uh huh. Just because Crystal's so good at, at playing that kind of snarky, you know, sarcastic, in charge exactly. woman. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think Crystal is funny in real life, and she is sassy in real life, and and she's good at playing the complexities. And I think before Carly was, you know, the put upon heroine, and I think Crystal's a strong woman, you know, and so Absolutely. I think she'd like to see some of that infused into the writing and into the characterization, and we did talk about that. So I'm really excited. I mean, I am. I would like to I, – I, you know, I, obviously that means there's going to be a big story with Peter Reckel. Yeah. Um, I think – I'm speaking to Peter Reckel tomorrow, too. I'm just, these are all coming up in my mind as we're talking. Like, tomorrow's like the state day, and I am talking <laughs> to Peter Reckel, too, so I'll, I will speak to him about that. Um, but I know that's a big story planned for, obviously, Hope and Bo and Carly. 
Um, and it's about time that it's about time Bo and Hope got a storyline. Oh, and this will be a great story. <laughs> yeah, this will be a great story. I mean, she's a real. She could be a real competitor for Bo's affection. Mm-hmm. You know, the first like really, <laughs> the first really credible one that that they've ever that they've had in two decades. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm I'm I am enthusiastic about it. I'm very very sad for the Otalia fans, and for because I think they were so good um, together that uh, something uh, give them something. I think people would have followed them anywhere. I think they are the hottest couple on soaps. Sure. And I think they continue to be. And yeah. I did ask her about uh, you know how they're going to wrap it up, but I'm not going to tell you until you read the internet <laughs> on Friday. I was going to ask you about that actually later on. <laughs> How are they going to wrap it up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, I don't know, but I am going to say that I think it's going to be obviously a, a happy ending that people be okay with. But I mean, how good is a happy ending when you all know you're never going to see them again? You know. Well, sure. I mean, I mean yeah, to me, I'm going to be crying. <laughs> I can't even imagine. You know, it's hard. It's really hard to 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 say goodbye to Guiding Light and and but you know it's taken such terrible hits the last couple of years. It's, yeah. You know, and and she talks about and all the other actors I talked about. I talked with Daniel Cosgrove. I talked to recently and other actors. You know, it they have so tried as a group for a year and a half to save this show. Um, really, they have. And when I went to PPAC and I went to New York and I went to Orlando and I was with them you could you mean they really tried mm-hmm. they really did mm-hmm. it's just i too much too too little too late or however you want to see it and i think the decisions were the writing was on the wall do you have any sense at all of, of how they're going to wrap any of the storylines up uh, you know is a are, is a reva and josh reunion in the cards what do you make of rumors that they want some of the characters to move over to world turns well <laughs> I would think they'd bring Otalia over to World Turns, so that kind of was weird. Yeah. Um, possibly, possibly. Uh, I think that I think that a Riva Josh reunion in the end, I would say, most likely would happen in some form. Another. I don't know if they're going to run away and get married within <laughs> a month, but I think they would leave it to our imaginations that this could, you know, they could be rekindling it. Certainly, I think. How could they not? Well, I think it's really great that they're bringing Peter Simon back and they're bringing Paul Anthony Stewart back and you know Can't some of the some of the great that. stars of the past. I mean, I can't wait to see Peter Simon again. Isn't that for the barbecue? <laughs> uh, I believe so. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's just going to be great to see him on screen again. It'll be great. I love Peter Simon. I remember when he was nominated for an Emmy uh-huh. uh, the year when he was a big drunk, and uh, that was one of the clip packages I had to pick out. And wow. he was he's, he was great. He's great, and he was another underrated. You know, because he was he was good good guy. You know, people always thought he he was just he was just there, but he really can act. Absolutely. So um, I don't know what do you, all my children. What do you think of all my children these days? Who killed Stuart? Is Stuart really dead? Is Stuart really dead? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the problem. I I really mean this again. At all my children, I am kind of floored that, you know, they have this big murder mystery, and then the follow-up of it is so convoluted, I don't care. I really don't. I mean, it's not Adam. 
it's Stuart, and then we're watching everybody cover up for everybody else, and it's just a big, I don't, do you care? Like, I really don't care. I have no, I don't even want to see that story, which is what's, that's bad. Like, I don't care. I hope it's Brianna Moncrief. <laughs> You know, <laughs> she should be the murderer for sure. <laughs> you know, because thing, I really don't care. The it, thing it's about like it is, botched in my mind. The thing about it is, it's it felt so rushed on screen, and it's so sprawling, and involves so many characters and so many characters lying that it's impossible to keep track of it all. I mean, it's just like a big confusing maze of of lies and and treachery and you know backtracking, and it's it's really crazy the way. The way they've constructed it and, and the way they expect people to uh, keep up with it on a daily basis. I mean, because it, it, it changes by the day. I mean, you, you can't get a beat on it. Exactly. And the only thing I'm interested in seeing is the Susan Lucci Cougar storyline. I, I am. I'm actually – because I think they should have done that a while ago. So <laughs> I'm interested to see how they do that. Like, that's interesting to me. Um, you know – because you saw they were really best buds, Eric and Ryan, for a long time. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can pull this off so that it's even believable. But uh, I think that's interesting. Um, nothing else is really – I'm just – I can't invest in it. I, I, what do you – you know, I just the, – the murder thing to me is just going nowhere. And I think we're going to have to wait months to find out who it is. That's the Yeah, they're saying it's going to go through labor day at least. Thing. So. Yeah, it's like <laughs> – if Stuart isn't dead, I really would be mad because, like, you made me – yeah, that yeah. would make me mad for sure. And yet it makes you furious that Stuart is dead because, you know, he was the one character on the show that you could kind of sort of relate to. Well, I wanted Adam to be dead. I really did because that would have made – to me, that would make sense. Like, that would be perfect. But throwing in Stuart as a surprise doppelganger murder thing is predictable too. And it made no sense that Stuart was wearing Adam's clothes and that we heard Adam's voiceover when he was being shot. I mean, so Stuart it, it, was standing there going around in circles while all the guns <laughs> were pointed at him? Like, <laughs> so that was kind of like, that just bothered me too. And, how no many, and here's something for you. How many times can Kendall be up for a murder? I mean, she's always in a mur- guns, she's always involved in whatever murder is going on. There's something wrong there. <laughs> so, why is everyone making such a big deal out of the Susan Cameron thing? Because older women, younger men stories have been the soap rage for years now. I mean, I remember Joey and Dorian on One Life to Live. I remember Vanessa and Matt on Guiding Light. I mean, this has been the thing for a while now. Why is this one? Why is this one so striking? Because, because it's, it's Susan and Cameron. And when you go outside the soap world, like when I work at Premier Radio Networks and I talk to the executives and I talk to the producers, there may, you know, when you don't know the soaps, you know the name Susan Lucci and Cameron Matheson mm-hmm. because they're mainstream appeal and people know them. So you're taking the two most recognizable stars in daytime, which are them by far, and putting them together in a romance. So right there, that is, would be, you would think, a ratings getter because you've got the two most known mainstream stars that are soaps stars as well. Yeah. Um, and because it's Susan Lucci and it's Erica Kane, and she's never yeah. had a, you know, a younger man. So it'll be interesting to see. Are, are I don't know. Calls? Are there callers, or how does that work on your... Uh, yeah, there are, there are, the, the, the phone lines are full. Would you like to take a call? Of course. <laughs> how about area code 401? You were first on the line. Let's uh, say hi to Michael Fairman. 
Area code 401, you're on the line. No, they're not. Okay. 401, going once. <laughs> okay, 401, you're off the air. How about area code 571? You're on the line with Michael Fairman. Uh-oh. Area code 5... Oh, well, they just hung up. Okay. Uh, let's try this. Area code 616. You're on the line with Michael Fairman. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? What's your name? Uh, my name is John. Hey, How's John. It going, guys? Hey, John. Say hi, say hi to Michael. Hey, Michael. How are you? Hey, John. I love how your are site. You? I love thank your site. You. I check it out every week. Oh, thank like you. Interviews you have. I love the audio component that you can actually hear the stars talk. Yeah. That's very cool. Thank you. Where are you? Where do you live? I'm, for, I'm in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, cool. How's Grand Rapids? Yeah. Um, it's actually getting nice and warm for the summer. Oh, so. good. Yeah, so I'm actually looking forward to it. I have a couple things I want to get your opinion on real sure. quick. Um, the Kyle and Fish story on One Life to Live, um, mm-hmm. what do, you, do you think that that's going to be of any importance? Because there's another component to that. I guess they cast, or they're casting a character named Griffin, which for, that will be a third wheel, which may or may not be C.J. Roberts. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if they were to bring that character in, do you think that that might have a little bit more importance since he's tied to major family, or don't you think it matters? If well, I've actually talked, I've actually have, I've, I talked to Scott Evans, I did an interview with him that'll be at advocate.com on Monday, um, and I also spoke, I know Ron Carlobati, um, I have a quote from him about the storyline for my column, they are very dedicated to telling the story, They're, they are definitely Good. telling the story of Fish. And basically, his struggles to be able to come out and say that he's gay and to be able to identify his sexual identity, they are going to do that. And, you know, Kyle and him have this past from college, and they are going to explore that. And, you know, we haven't seen Kyle in any favorable light. We've seen him be kind of a crud bucket. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting how they do it, but I can definitely tell you that they are planning on every week or almost every week there will be a piece of the storyline every week told. And they're going to do it slow, and they're going to build it up, but they are dedicated to telling a gay romantic storyline. Well, that's good. I, and I read Scott did an interview with AfterElton.com, mm-hmm. which was really good. Mm-hmm. And then I heard Brett's interview on Brandon's Buzz, and he was, he's been very dedicated to the show. So at least you have two actors that you know, really want to see a storyline move forward. You know? Oh, yeah, so, and Scott is and, very, you know, Scott is openly gay, and he's very excited about it, and he's thrilled to have the chance to do it. And, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting journey. And I don't, you know, the CJ thing, you're right. Is it a wrinkle into the thing? We don't know, you know. Um, but I can tell you that I would really keep an eye on the story. And I'm sure we can all reconvene in a conversation in a couple months. But I think <laughs> it's going to be, but they're telling me it's going to be a good one. Well, and I, I, actually, I actually thought it would be. There was a lot of people online that said, you know, they don't usually write good uh, gay love stories, but... Ron Carlevati is a really good writer, and he knows the history of the show, and so does Frank. So I'm sure you know anybody could do it at least halfway decent. They I think if anyone's going to do it, I mean, I'm a big One Life to Live fan, as I've been tell, I've told everyone for years, and it's my show. So that's my show, and I'm with you. If anyone can do it, I believe Ron Carlevati can tell a good. I think he can tell a good day love story. So I have high hopes. Okay. okay. And one other thing, Lynn Herring going to As the World Turns as yep. Henry's mom. Yep. I think that's – now, granted, As the World Turns ticks me off because I, I watch it online because 
I only watched it for a couple of different stories. And the problem with the show to me is it tells a whole week of stories that you would see on YNR or One Life to Live in five minutes, <laughs> you know. And it really ticks me off because, you know, you have these great characters, like the new guy playing Riley and the guy playing Hunter and all these nice people, and then they run them in and get them out, you know, and you really become attached, and then they're gone. So it was kind of nice to see that, first of all, Lynn Herring is coming back to daytime, because I think G.H. really screwed her when they didn't ask her to come back after four Absolutely. But, Absolutely. Um, but given the fact that it's only an eight-week run, that's that's good to know up front. So, you know, okay, right now it's short-term. But her as Henry's mom, knowing the description of what she said on the TV Guide interview, she's perfect casting for it. I mean, she's perfect casting for it. And I am speaking with Lynn Hearing tomorrow. I know this sounds insane, but I literally have, like, these six interviews tomorrow, and Lynn is one of them. And I, I'm really – so I'm really excited, and I'll be able to tell you more. Um, and I'll have the interview online at Michael Thurman Soaps uh, next week, but I'm speaking with Lynn, and I'm so thrilled she's back. She's one of my very favorite people, and I love the fact that she's cast with Henry's mom. And again, you know how these things work, is that every time they come on into a cycle, if it's eight weeks, 13-week cycle, whatever, they, you know, sometimes it goes on longer. They see mm-hmm. how it goes, and, they, and it is longer. Um, I don't know with Lynn. You know, we'll have to yeah. see. Well, it sounds in the TV Guide interview that she's open to it, you know. Depending I think on she's very it open to it. I, yeah. And, I, and, 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 yeah. the, and then she said that she also uh, submitted herself for the jewelry cast, but it never went anywhere. I don't know. Like, I love them, but I don't know if that would have worked for me, for her to be Jill. But, so I'm glad she ended up somewhere. Oh, speaking of wine, did you see wine art today? Did you see I haven't Nina? seen it yet. I haven't seen it oh. yet today. Oh, my God, you have to watch, because Trisha Cast, I'm so glad she's back. She basically just tells Jill and Jill and Kay and Kane everything. She's like, listen, this, this kid is not your son. You've all been screwed, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it was amazing. I was like. Isn't it great just, that it took Nina I'm to come just, back to put I'm everybody just, in place? Yes, and I'm just waiting for someone to pick up a vase and, put, and smash it over someone's head like they did, you know, like. I used to do all the time and Bill Bell was right then. You know, like, get on my way. And then it's done. You know, like, Jill did that. To, like, Jill and Kate did that to each other, like, on a weekly basis. It was like, you know, hard to try. Well, you've got the pulse on it. Yeah. It was amazing to watch because that show has really turned itself around. Like, One Night's Live two years ago after Dina left and how that got turned around so fast. Maria really did a great job of turning YNR around. Like, oh, and Hogan. Tremendous. Automatically. Tremendous. You know, and Paul. And Paul. I mean, yeah, but you don't want to mess with Paul Roush, you know. You know. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've heard stuff, so I've read stuff. And I've actually read it. I mean, but you know what? Honestly, daytime needs producers and writers that will be like, look, I understand that you as an actor want this or want that, or you you people are dating in real life. You would like to date on the show, but you're not going to screw up the show because of your own personal whatever, you know. We're going to move forward and make the best show we need to make. Well, yeah. it's nice to see Paul Roush's old school kicking butt over there, is what I think. <laughs> you know, and I really Absolutely. do. I mean, no that's question about really it. Good. It's really, seriously, I mean, I've been over to the set, and I've talked to the actors, and I think everyone's really in a good place over there between him kicking butt as the producer and Maria's writing and producing. I mean, it's in a great spot. And it's reflected in the show. The show is great right now. So thank you so much for your call. And no it's problem. good to talk to you. Absolutely. Yeah, thank Thanks, John, for calling in. So, you know, speaking of speaking of, of Kyle and Fish, I had Brett Claywell on my show right before I that heard. news broke. Right before the news broke, and he didn't give any indication of that this was coming. Uh, 
but he seems like a great guy. He really does. I have not talked to Brett Claywell. I can't speak that I used to talk to him. I have not. Yeah. Um, I, he appears to be a great guy. I've liked him in the snarky part that he's played. And it's interesting because the way they did it was really brilliant because, you know, the only, you know, I remember seeing him stripping. Remember he stripped in one episode? Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It, you know, he really had no attach. You never saw him really romantically linked with a woman. Uh-huh. There, was nothing, there was nothing sexual. Like, I didn't feel anything from him. I never thought about it because he was always doing something, you know, trying to scam somebody or extort <laughs> something from somebody. And so this was brilliant. I thought, because, oh, okay, we really never really knew about his sexuality. You know? And, you know, it's very funny. If you go back and kind of review his scenes with Crystal Hunt, the subtext that he was playing was always that he was uncomfortable around her in that way. So, right. it, you know, and then it, I had to talk to Scott Evans about sleeping with Crystal Hunt. <laughs> See, it all comes back to <laughs> Stacy, guys. It all does. <laughs> it's all about Stacy. God damn it. Um, but uh, I spoke with him about it. He's like, yeah, he did sleep with her, but, you know, uh, he's just he's having t- problems, you know, figuring out. Yeah you know, admitting to himself what he is. So it's going to be really interesting. I like, I think Brett's a really good actor. I mean, I'm interested to see, I want them to flesh out the character more of Kyle. Cause I don't, like I said, my concern was I, if we're going to have a gay romance, it's really hard if you're not rooting for them. Absolutely. You want to root for two people to be together. So I'm interested to see how they're going to flip it, but I have hope because I think Ron can do it in the writing. Well, you know, and it's great the way they've slowly brought fish on. I mean, he started out as kind of John's buddy and then, We've slowly, you know, over the months, gotten to know more and more about him, and it's it's really great the way the way that character has developed. Well, all I can say is watch tomorrow's episode for the first clues of their relationship. <laughs> that's my that's my teaser for the evening. Okay, don't miss one life to live tomorrow, <laughs> according to tomorrow. Michael Fairman. There is a scene, a brief scene. <laughs> How about another phone call? Area code four zero one. You're on the line with Michael Fairman. Hi, how you doing? Pretty Hi. good. How are you? What's your name? Kate. Hey, Kate. Um, Hi, Kate. I wanted. To, how you doing? I wanted to take the conversation back a little bit, and maybe this is a a good segue. You were just talking about it to um, Guiding Light and Otalia uh, to talk about Jill Laurie Hurst mm-hmm. and the writing for that storyline. Mm-hmm. Because I think not only is it Crystal Chappelle and Jessica Lekia who have who have made it so compelling, but I think the fact that it's been written so uh, carefully and it's taken so long to develop, that's been critical to how good that story is. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And I sat with, I was with Jalori Hurst. Actually, um, in December of last year in New York, um, we actually went to PPAC and we had lunch with her, some of the journalists, and, and we talked with her. And I really got a feeling that she had, they had a great handle on telling the story. It is beautifully written. It was not over the top. It made sense. They took their time. And I think the only way it became palpable for anybody in the audience was that it, it, it was a slow build to it. it. Because otherwise it wouldn't have been believable. And they took the human beats with it each way. And I, I completely agree with you. Without the writing on the page, the actors have nothing to play. So, you know, I agree. So so um, what do you think is going to happen to uh, Jill Laurie Hurst? with the end of Guiding Light? 
I don't know. She'll either maybe she'll join the As the World Turns team because it's a PNG show, or maybe she'll go off and do something else. I mean, she'll she'll be a valuable asset, obviously, to you know another soap. And you know how this works. I'm sure in the soap world, we see the recycling of writers on different shows, and which is always interesting to see is like with Hogan Sheffer, the failure on some shows and the successes on the other. Um, you know, he worked well on World Turns. He didn't work on Days. He's working you know, better at Y&R. It's always kind of what fit the writer fits with what show. Um, so we'll see. I think she'll have a career, obviously. She's going to continue to work. I think, though, it's really tough when you're putting on a show every single day, and especially with Guiding Light. I mean, as I said, I've seen how hard they've worked up close and personal for a year and a half uh, of their struggles since, you know, trying the new production model. model. Absolutely. Uh, and I think they're all – I can imagine they're burnt out. I mean, I, it's been a tough road. You know? That – you know, that's my my biggest disappointment with the – with the, I guess the probable demise of Guiding Light um, is that I think that they really have – they really have come up with a way to do soaps that is – that's so appealing to people who are not currently soap fans. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that soaps are going to be around very much longer if they don't figure out a way to get people who aren't soap fans now to watch soaps. You're correct. I agree with you on that. It is the whole problematic thing that the industry is in. And what Guiding Light did with their production model, which was, you know, part budgetary, part creative, part to open it up, how to survive, how to work with budgets that none of the other soaps have. They had such low budgets left in the last couple years. You know, it was innovative. And you see now, if you see, like, As the World Turns do a little bit of a remote outside or One Life to Live just shot some stuff outside, you can Mm -hmm. see how they're doing it, incorporating it in. And Guiding Light actually was the first, and Guiding Light took all the slaps in the face for it because yeah. they had to put it on the air live, and it was happening while they were doing it live. They were they were tweaking it. They didn't have time to do it and try it out. I mean, they just had to do it. Um, but certainly we need to move into a new production model. We need to – I mean, I – think eventually soaps may have to be on, you know, and I don't know if it'll work, but maybe less episodes per week. You know, it's just, it's too much. Um, it's too, it's too much to put on these shows um, and and not deliver the ratings they need. So it's a real conundrum. Well, well certainly in Britain, they don't run them five days a week, one hour a day. Mm-hmm. No, and they're quite popular. Exactly. And they have much more of a, a similar model to the one Guiding Light has been using. Right. It's sort of much more real feel to it. So are you going to be okay at the last day of Guiding Light? Oh, I'm going to I'm going to be crying. I you know, I'm <laughs> Should I call I you? You want to cry together? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh-huh. I wasn't uh I I was a lapsed soap fan. I was an ABC person most of my life and had walked away from soap operas when soaps gave up on me, when it became worth, my investment of time became worthless Mm -hmm. because it wasn't going to matter. Next week it was all going to be something crazy different, you know. Um, What was black today is going to be white tomorrow, so why bother and invest? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I came back to soaps. I came back to and and watched Guiding Light for the first time in my life because of the Otelia storyline. And I have just been so taken with this show and this the new production model, the the writing, the you know it, the whole feel of it made because it it mattered and it really made me feel like I wanted to know backstory because backstory actually informed what I was seeing on TV today and I really had the sense that what I was seeing today was going to uh, was going to be important to what what's going to come down the road in a month I feel like uh, we needed to put you in the congressional hearings for not letting Guiding Light be thrown <laughs> off the air. We need they need to hear people like you at CBS, you know. Yeah, so. I was I was just I uh I'm really very disappointed because I thought it was going to work. Yeah. I really hoped it was going to work. And I and I think that uh, if you're talking about uh any soap deciding that they're going to do a gay storyline and have it build slowly, uh, that's the influence of Otalia. Absolutely. And I think it will be felt, I think it will absolutely, as I spoke with Crystal, she really wants it to be less, you know, she wants it to have, have mattered. And I think it has mattered. I think it's the story that of the year that has mattered. And I think if you know, and it, it is ending, and there will not be, they will not be moving Italia anywhere. I mean, it mattered, and it made such a difference to so many people. And sure. even Crystal told me about the letters she got from same same sex couples and lesbian women, all over the world, all over yeah. the world, reached out to her. I mean, the, you have to understand also the power of this medium. I mean, I at MichaelFairmanSoaps.com, I get emails from people all over the world, and I'm so blown away. You know that they're that they take the time to write, and they're and it's a common thread of a universal thread. It's these stories, and people are touched by it. And what they did, what Guiding Light did, was an incredible, incredible thing. And you know, thank God we got to see it. You know, I'm very sad it's ending, but you, you know, know she's going to be on days of our lives. <laughs> you know, the um, the fan forum for Otalia, Big Purple Dreams, hit five thousand. I heard today. Okay. Yep. Yep, it'll be in you my know. column tomorrow. I know I'm very it's amazing what they've done. Five thousand members in less than six months. And Are you on the board? Are you a big I am purple? on the board. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. that's like three thousand five hundred or something since the soap got cancelled. <laughs> you know? I mean, it it just speaks to the power of this storyline and the and how people really and you know, people get these people have gotten invested in who killed Edmund, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. It did. It, it makes them interested in other things. Yeah. But, and yeah. you know whether or not Shane is is ever going to try and take back baby uh, Henry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it's it's just a shame. It's a shame that we're losing. Uh, a 72-year-old icon, and just at the moment where I think it really is it's kicking. Very, it's very, you know, it's, it's so, it's it's tremendously sad. And, uh, yeah. you know, but thank you so much for your call. It was great talking to you. I think you've got a great outlook on the whole thing. And Absolutely. I'll, I'll call you and cry with you on September 8th. <laughs> let's, let's just 
pray to God that they give Crystal Chappelle something interesting to do with Carly Manning. Because if she's just going to be a spoiler for Bowen Hope, oh, what a shame. I'm with you. I just think Crystal's <laughs> too strong. I just think she wouldn't let that happen. I think. Yeah. I, I have a feeling there's something good hap- going to happen there, and we're gonna, you know, let's just try to go for the ride with Crystal there. I mean, yeah. and I said to her, I said to her, what it will maybe Jessica could come. She goes maybe. So who knows? <laughs> I think there'd be a lot of people who would pay to have Jessica. I mean, look, go up on look, day. look. Here's the thing. Soaps aren't these producers aren't stupid. I mean, you never know. You never know. Maybe the you know just. But the problem is Jessica just had a baby and she lives in these coast, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, who knows? Well, thank you so much for your call. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks Kate, for calling in. You know, it's it's it's. Kate makes a great point about Otalia, but also you know the success of Luke and Noah. And the success of Bianca on All My Children. I mean, the legacy of of, of Guiding Light's final years will be that uh, the floodgates on gay storylines seem to have opened up on soaps because of the executive seeing the success of these three storylines. Well, exactly. And what's been so interesting to me is, you know, with Advocate.com, it's like we're finally doing a column. Who would have thought that I could do a column? No, honestly. I mean, do you realize in my career, which has been, what, 20-some years in soaps, like, my, did I ever think there would become a day as a gay person and uh, that I would be able to watch and write a column on the gay side of the soap? I Absolutely. Mean, I mean, do you realize how breaking that is? We didn't have that. Ten five years. There wasn't that. Look where we are now. I'm actually writing a column, and I'm and now there's more gay storylines. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I I could never have done this. I could never have written this column, could I have five years ago? Um, we've come somewhere. And what I hope it doesn't become is, you know, the network's like, well, we got to up the ratings. Let's throw a gay storyline in, you know, which you know could be what's going on. Yeah. But I hope that it's not jump on the bandwagon. But I hope now it's like, let's portray these issues. Let's integrate these characters into the canvas. These are normal people in your in your city, and this is how they maneuver throughout society. Let's see that. Um, you know, I'm hoping YNR does that. I'm hoping One Life to Live does that. Exactly. You know, so. You know, this would never have happened several years ago. And, you know, when we did get a storyline several years ago, like Hank Elliott on World Turns or Billy Douglas on One Life, it was in and out of there in a matter of months and, and never spoken of again. Well, the only one I liked, I liked the Billy Douglas one only because it was the AIDS quilt that dovetailed into that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always hated the gay storylines on every other show. They bring a gay character in and within two weeks they were off. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't Mike, uh, wait, Chris Bruno, wasn't he on some... Wasn't there something he came on as a school teacher? It was all my children. Yeah, and and you know it, it went great guns for a matter of months, and then they got scared of it and took it and yanked it. Right, so that that tanked, and then yeah. and what about um, and don't forget about um, Lucas on General Hospital. Sure, yeah, I mean that was that was, that was in and out in a matter of weeks. Door. He was shown the front door. <laughs> He's either left the gay man was either left upstairs or shown the front door. Now it's like you know I'm actually reporting on you know interesting storylines mm-hmm. that we can look forward to. Mm-hmm. And so I feel really fortunate that, you know, we've come to that. Now, if we could just get Prop 8 reversed in California, um, <laughs> that's a whole other matter. But <laughs> Do you have another call? <laughs> well, you know what? In the chat room, they're clamoring for a discussion of General Hospital and the new kids that have come in. So what, what are your thoughts on new Christina and new Michael, new Molly? 
my thoughts are, I interviewed Drew Garrett, the interviews at MichaelFairmanSoaps.com, it was posted last week. I thought he was a phenomenal kid, and I think he's phenomenal in the part. Mm-hmm. I took a liking to him the minute he woke up. Uh, I thought his emotions were incredible. I thought he has really got it. I mean, this was a great casting find. I, I believe him. And I think he's doing a great job. And if you listen to the interview, the audio on the website, you can hear, you know, he's really excited to be there. And uh, and he holds and his own playing. with some heavy hitters on that show. Well, that's the thing. It's like yeah. I said to him, so you woke up, you're sitting there, and you wake up next to Maurice Bernard. I would run. Like if I was there, I would have been like, I'm leaving now. I can't open my eyes. I know you want me out of the coma, but I'm not going to open my eyes. You know, it's like he's acting with Sonny. I mean, I would be intimidated as a young mm-hmm. actor if that was my first scene. And Laura Wright and Sarah Brown and, and Steve Burton. And I Steve mean, Burton, absolutely. I mean, the, I mean, that's like the four biggest right there on General <laughs> Hospital. And he's right in the center of it. And, oh, my God, I was like, he really <laughs> held his own. Now, new Christina. <laughs> um, again, it's kind of shocking. Nancy Lee Gron and I in our interview at Michael Fairman Soaps talked about, <laughs> you know, we were laughing, rolling. We were laughing about sourcing Molly and Christina. Um, because she went from what six to sixteen, uh-huh. and uh, but you know the girl's playing this brilliant snotty girl who's you know obviously got issues with her parents, and they they're trying to define the character. I don't. I mean, I'm, the jury's out on her right now. I think she's been fine. Um, we'll have to see. And now Molly's coming, <laughs> new Molly. Mm-hmm. But um, you know it's interesting to see. I, I know that Drew Garrett said that down the line there could be a romance between Christina and Michael because they are not biologically related, but they don't really yeah. seem to know that at this point. <laughs> that would be, that would just be too icky for me. I don't think I could I don't think that the audience in general would handle that well. I I just don't Yeah. I'm trying to see your chat room. What are they all saying? <laughs> what do I need to know? Um what do they think? I mean, do they like them? You know, new Christina hasn't hasn't been much of a hit yet. I mean, they they well, were everybody was laughing earlier about how about how they're instantly making her a slut. You know. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, new Michael seems to be a hit, and and I tell you what, his his work with Laura Wright has been incredible. His work with Maurice has been incredible. I mean, it's uh, this is a really big find, I think, for them. I think he's tremendous, and I really enjoy talking with him, and I think he's got a bright future. And I'm telling you, if you can hold your own with those guys, come on. I mean, Absolutely. You know, I know there's more drama coming ahead, and I like the fact that he's like a Jason, brain-injured Jason, younger version, which, I mean, I really love the chemistry, actually, between Steve Burton and Drew. I saw that originally, and I like that. Um, I'd like to see how this is going to plan out with Laura Wright and him. I know he mentioned to me there's some big, big scene that he auditioned with that hasn't played out yet on air. It's a pivotal scene that he wouldn't talk about. So something's going to happen. You know what I think would be hilarious would be if it would be the opposite of Jason. Whereas Jason rejected the Quartermains after he woke up, I think it would be hilarious if Michael embraced them. Well, he may. I mean, the Quartermains want him back. The Quartermains hate Sonny's guts, and they want Michael for their own, and he's, you know, fair game right now, the way he's behaving. So I'm sure Edward and the group will, get, you know, put their influence on him. Maybe you're right. I mean, I And it would, be a, it would be a great way to bring them back into the fold, organically. Right, and I said to him, you know, he, we talked, and he said, well, I said, well, all the quartermains are dropping like flies. You know, there's no quartermains left, and he goes, well, that's why they need me. So 
you know, maybe he will. <laughs> or being a quarterman could cause you to get killed in general hospital. So, but um, I think he's doing a great job. What do you think about Rick Hurst leaving them in, in the lurch suddenly? Was that was that a, a were they expecting that, or, or were they kind of hoping that he would stick around on a recurring basis? I mean, I hate to say this, but I'm talking to Rick Hurst. <laughs> um, I am. Um, I'll let you know tomorrow. But um, what I know is that, look, I think they kind of screwed Rick Hurst. You know, they put him at reoccurring status. He was, a, a, you know, a supporting actor, featured supporting actor on the show. The part has kind of gone nowhere. I think they wrote it into kind of a dead end. Um, it's not interesting to see what they're doing. And I think, you know, what was he going to do? I mean, yeah. what would you do? I mean, you're not being utilized. Um, and Brad did call him. I mean, Brad did call. Uh, the call came. He didn't. Brad called him and he offered him whip back, and he took it. I think he did the right thing. Um, you know, bold and beautiful though, how things go on that show. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> especially with the men, you get all excited and then yep. the stories sometimes get dropped. Yep. Um, that's my concern for Rick. Um, but I've spoken to the show. I spoke to Bold and Beautiful today. They assured me that he's got major story and he's he's going to be there for a while. And it's hard on that show. You have to realize it's a compressed show. It's a half hour show. You've got you know 17 minutes of airtime and you're telling this story. And it it only so many people get featured. So it's always hard when you've got Ridge, Brooke, Stephanie, and Eric mm-hmm. as your four main people to to put people in there. And, and you know they're so good that it's that it's very easy for a writer to just fall back on them because they are so good and the audience loves them. I mean, you know, that's they've been the the tent poles of that show for twenty some odd years now. I mean, there you know, there's no denying that the audience adores them. Oh, I will be going to the set next week because they're doing the stunt. I think you've all read that Morgan Fairchild's coming to do a guest stint on the show, but so is Melissa Rivers and Jim J. Bullock and Alan Thick, And so uh, I'm going to next Wednesday to talk to them all about this because they're going to be doing this fashion show where they're doing this, you know, battling fashion show between the two powerhouses. So that should be really fun. So I, Melissa Rivers is playing herself, by the way. Wow. Okay. So that's a little scoop for you. Somebody in the chat room earlier was asking about the Melody Thomas Scott situation. What do you know about that? Um, the Melody Thomas Scott situation, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, you know, Melody is a very strong woman, and I, I mean, you know, the thing is, we all have to realize that the times are changing. As you know, many, as, as you know, Susan Lucci took a pay cut. As you know, many of the actors have taken a pay cut. I don't know what's going on with Melody. I don't, I, you know, she's, it's hard to kind of know what's going on there for truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, if she walks away from the show, it'd be kind of... Re- I can't see that happening because she is Nikki, and what are they going to do, and where is she going to go? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of like I would hope that for the sake of the show and because of the legacy of Victor and Nikki and the show that she would stay and take the cut that you know they've asked her to take. I know that you know Jess Walton renegotiated her contract. I know when she mm-hmm. was going to leave. Um, but this is a sign of the times. It's nothing personal. Absolutely. You know, it's not a personal thing, and... Um, you know, again, Melody's a very strong, opinionated woman who makes her own decisions, and she'll do what's best, you know, what she feels is, is correct. I don't know, I can't comment on her contract because I don't know what it is. You know, you want to you want to believe and you want to assume that cooler heads will prevail, but it sounds like that Paul is taking a hard line with everybody over there. 
Well, it sounds like that, doesn't it? I mean, but I think, again, they're the number one show. Um, I think he's got to put on a quality show. Their show certainly never suffers in quality. The quality of that show is, is superior to all the rest. Mm-hmm. If you look at every, you know, the production values and everything on that show, it's very... Paint- they Just take- the visual look of the show competes right. with primetime series. I mean, Correct, because they, really they all, I mean, those that production <laughs> staff works to every fine detail on that show. Mm-hmm. And so it is a costly show to put on. And I think you've got to, you know, come up with a, a budget that's going to be able to put on the show, the quality show you want in the day and age we're in right now. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I'm sure this Melody Thomas thing will be situated very shortly. Yeah. What's your take on the on the Chris Ingen situation? <laughs> well, <laughs> this is a very unhappy guy. This was somebody that did not. Um, seemed to be troubled by what was going on with the story, yeah. the turn that this happened. I know that I had heard that I know he had voiced his concern to a few actors, that he was very unhappy, um, actors that he performed with. And, yeah. you know, he... It, I don't know if it was just the gay kiss thing. I think it was a totality of the situation, and it may have been the thing that just nailed it. I believe um, so too. It, you know, it's a you know, shame. So I, that... I really had a problem, and again, I go over this. I'm not, you know, and then I, I, what made it worse for Chris is that statement he made on his MySpace page made absolutely no sense. I mean, it was kind of nonsensical. Going, well, what are you saying here? It, I mean, it was written in a way that there were so many holes that could be punched into it. Um, you know, he made it. You know, I'm not a homophobe, and you can ask any of my friends. Um, yeah. You know, and things that were said in there, but. You know, it's hard for me to believe that in this day and age, I mean, it must have been very troubling to him, and he must have been that unhappy, and it's his right to be, to walk away from a primo role like that. And mm-hmm. he has a 10-year-old son that he has to support. I mean, it just it's, it, I don't know what went on. No one's ever going to know. When I spoke with Yanni Gelman, um, you know, I'd done an interview with Yanni Gelman for Advocate.com before, the incident happened, and when I spoke to one of his reps, you know, they let me know. They said, "Look, you're going to have to speak with the person who knows why, and that's Chris." You know, Yanni can't shed light onto why Chris did what he yeah. did, and he can't. We don't know what went on in Chris's mind, other than I can tell you he was extremely unhappy on YNR, and the dark turn the character took and playing it was upsetting yeah. him. You know, that storyline is arguably the hottest one on daytime right now. And uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. It's like, he. how can you be more of a crud? What a juicy role. I'm interested absolutely. to see what the new actor does in it. I, I'm sure we're going to see that on the 25th of June. Um, and I know that this race thing, you know, obviously where it's going is he's going to be, you know, pretending he's interested in race, the character of Adam, mm-hmm. uh, which is really sick. But actually, who's not going to want to see this? Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, what I mean, like it's I, like, said, it's, I mean, who I've never, and actually, I've never seen that. I have not seen in daytime or prime time. Come to think of, I don't remember seeing a straight character supposedly seducing a gay. You know, I haven't seen that. So uh-huh. I'm interested to see what really happens here. Um, and and maybe you know, Chris wasn't the actor to take it to that place. Maybe this new guy, Michael, is. It's hard, but I think Chris did a a phenomenal job. I really, he really thought it was great. He really did, and it's a great testament to the strength of the writing that, that you know, this this storyline really took off the way it did because, you know, it's... 
you know, it's the actors involved. It's the it's the unpredictability of the story. You really don't know what's coming next, as we as we talked about before. I don't. Um, I mean, I am floored every time I watch Adam's Machination, like the next thing. It's like I did not think that would happen. Um, he and the way it's written, he is so unbelievably cruddy and vindictive and. <laughs> I mean, it's a great role. It's like, I'll play it. Call me. <laughs> you know? And yet like, you kind of sort of like him. I mean, it's kind of like Cynthia watched like years him. ago on, like, on oh, Guiding Light. Yeah, I do like him. Like, you feel kind of bad for him. Like, he's so sick and twisted that he'd do this because, you know, he, he's so sought for revenge against his father. Um, it, it's really interesting. It's, it's the most riveting thing probably to watch right now. And, and, you know, again, until somebody speaks with Chris and he's willing to talk, it's going to be hard, and you know it's it's and they say it's career suicide in in L. A. to walk out on your contract. We'll see. I mean, he yeah. walked out on his contract. I'm assuming the Young and the Restless would file suit. Um, I don't know, yeah. but he did walk out on his contract. So something disturbing was obviously going on. Did you want to take another call? Or? Yeah, I do, but I just want to ask you, do you think that the recast is going to stall that story's crucial momentum? I mean, this, this is a storyline that, that kind of hinges on moving fast and moving you know, full speed ahead, and I'm wondering if... Brandon, that is such a great observation and question. It really, really is, and I thought that myself. I'm a little... You know how we all get when we're like, you know, that moment like, okay, no. You know, it's moving like so fast right now, and you're all uh-huh. on the and then now we're going to see this jarring new actor sitting in this role all of a sudden. Uh-huh. And are we going to be able to like swallow that quickly and move forward? Mm-hmm. And it really depends on how this guy comes off. Look, you know, it's always interesting when a new person steps into a role. This is a real challenge for this guy. He's got to come in and come in strong. Um, so many times I've watched new actors come in soaps, and I hate their guts. Like, I mean, I watch, I don't mean hate their guts as people, people. I mean, I don't like, like, I go, what is this character? Uh-huh. What is this person? I uh-huh. can't stand it. I can't stand her. And then and a year later, I'm like, I love them. They're so great. <laughs> I can't believe I ever thought they were terrible. Because, <laughs> because something happens, and only in soap operas can you, can you have that happen. Only in soap operas mm-hmm. can you, where else you get the chance to give someone the opportunity to win you over. Damn right. It's a long time for someone to win you over. And that's the beauty for the actors. You know, they can win the... And they know it. These actors all know that the fans and all the fans out there are crucial to their success. Because if they don't buy in, guarantee you most of the time they're not going to be on for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember years ago on One Life to Live when they recast Jensen Buchanan with Grace Phillips, and I was absolutely appalled that they were recasting Jensen Buchanan because, you know, she was, at that time, she was the star of that show. And, you know, they brought in this, this new girl who nobody had ever seen, and I ended up just absolutely worshipping her. And who was that? Uh, uh, Sarah on, on One Life to Live. Uh, you, you remember Bowen and Sarah, Jensen Buchanan, before she yeah, went oh, no, over no, the... No, 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 Jensen, but who was the... Uh, who was after Jensen Buchanan? Uh, Grace Phillips. Oh, Grace Phillips, right, yeah. got it. She, oh, she played yeah, the part for about a year. It didn't really yes, work. Yes, they ended yes, up firing yes, her. Yes, and, yes, yeah. yes. But she was magnificent in that role. I mean, she utterly was great magnificent. in the role. She was yeah. great in the role. So let's take another call. Let's see what we got here. How about area code uh, 414? You're on the line with Michael. Hi, Michael. Hi. Hi, what's your name? Uh, my name is Lainey. Hi, Lainey. How you doing? I'm from Michael's home state, Wisconsin. Wow. Uh-huh. How about that? How about I, that? I, I was going to ask you some questions, but I'm looking in the chat room, and I just want to tell Michael that everybody seems to love you. 
<laughs> really? Because can I ask can I ask a question, guys? I think this is hilarious. Where how why can't I see the chat room? I'm looking at this. Where's the chat room? What do I click on? I see no chat room. Well, they're, but they're, they love love what you do and everything else. And they said that some of them said that they really would like to be with you to watch the shows and can you comment with them. <laughs> you mean sit with me and watch yes, them? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that would be fun. We should do. A, we should all do a sitting. That might be something new. You never know. Yeah, absolutely. Or turn on our webcams or something. That would be excellent. That sounds good. So mm-hmm. anyway, my questions have all been asked and answered because I've been on here for an hour. We. <laughs> But, okay. But, uh, but I know you didn't see Y&R today, you said? No, I haven't yet. Okay. Uh, let me just ask a question because I'm a little confused uh, with, about uh, how many um, Philip Chancellors there were or are. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, Nina, when Nina came there, is she looking to get the money, the, the um, Chancellor money? Uh, does she know that her son is alive? No, I don't think she knows her son is really alive. I think she's putting it together yeah. that he's alive. Well, I didn't see today's episode, but my I, because I mean I I felt that her her story about writing a movie script and everything was bogus. You know that she had ulterior motives and that was her way to get in to get yeah. news about the family. Right, right. So I just I mean, she she was very good today, but um, that's what we've heard. Yeah, well you'll watch it. I know you'll see it. But anyway, so and then the Adam story. Uh, if if he the actor leaves the show, they cannot immediately put another person in. Are they going to put him in a mental ward or prison? And come no, out? no, no. He's immediately taking over. Really? There is no stoppage. It's going to be like one day is this guy, the next day is this guy. Yeah, it's going to be sink or swim. They yeah. had so to do it. Start comparing. There's going to be a lot of uproar. Well, they had to do it. The guy literally walked off the set. I mean, they were in midstream in the story. Within 36 hours, they had to recast the role. Wow. I mean, they were, I mean, they can't, you have to realize in daytime, they're working two months ahead. I mean, most shows are two months ahead. Mm-hmm. So they're working at such a pace, and this storyline is clearly mapped out from beginning end, well, I'm you know. Sure it would have to be. And so in order to pull off this kind of story, they had to do an emergency recast. Mm-hmm. So we are going to not, there's not going to be, I'm sure it'll be the part of Adam. You know, there might be an announcement or you know, Chiron, but it's going to just be one day. It's going to be the other actor. <laughs> because yeah. of the Adam story, uh, I mean, is diabolical, mm-hmm. and it's absolutely cruel. So uh, I know Victor's on to him after today. I think so. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I'm sorry, yeah. I've, got, I've got laryngitis, so I sound so funny. <laughs> well, I agree with you. I mean, I, I mean, I just, I, I can't wait to see the Philip thing. I mean, I know for certain. I'm sure. I know. I heard, and I, I've talked to some of the cast members as well. I know that they, when they find out that Philip's alive, it's very heartbreaking. Yeah. So, so Kane has been what a bartender in Australia, and then <laughs> he's the Beastmaster. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, he's the Beastmaster. <laughs> so he's not who he says he is, and now he's. I don't know. The whole thing's terrible. <laughs> well, like, I just hope that Lily wakes up one day and goes, "Oh shoot, what did I just well, do?" That's going to be painful. That's going to be painful. Yeah, I know. It's just I. But she'll probably be pregnant by then. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Gotta be. Well, thank you so much for your call. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, Lainey. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What's your sense of how they're going to explain away the fact that they killed off Philip 20 years ago? 
I mean, I, I, seriously, I mean, I, I know that people come back from the dead all the time, but but yeah, I mean, I don't we know. watched I, him. We watched him die. We watched them bury him. We watched them dig him up several times. So how are they going to explain this away? You know, this is something that's being so carefully guarded. Um, you know, and when I spoke with Tom Beards for Advocate, and he said we would talk again in a month, and I know that he'll speak with me as we get closer to the reveal, because it was so hard to talk to him, because, you know, he can't say certain things. I mean, you have to realize that stars certainly can't divulge certain things too much ahead of time. Yeah. Um, so it's been really interesting to me, because I'm trying to figure out how they're going to do this, because in order to get Tom Beards back to daytime, I think he wants to play a gay character, and he was very vocal about playing a gay character and coming back to the show. He wanted he talked about his art and playing a gay character being important. I mean, what happens? I mean, I'm trying to pick this together. If that's indeed true, and again, I'm just this is all hearsay. You know, did they? Did he just go off? You know, did he get in the car accident and? Somehow he's not in there, and he's really gay, and you know later realized he was gay, and he's owning a bar in Australia. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's really bizarre to me. It's going to be hard to explain it away. You know, I mean, what was in there? Sandbags, right, in the grave. Uh, yeah. So, someone had to. Sw- somebody had to be involved in it. Mm-hmm. He had to have set up his own death. Maybe he set up his own death. Or maybe Catherine helped him some for some reason. Or somebody or, helped yeah. him for some reason. Yeah. Or you know, and then and then I'm wondering, is he playing a gay Philip, or is he not involved in that? And is you know is John Driscoll's character, who's going to be his son, be the character? I mean, it's it's. I don't know. I honestly yeah. can't give you an honest answer. I mean, that's how good YNR is being typed <laughs> about it. And Did, if I knew, I would tell you. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, You're being no, pretty hey, guarded though. tonight, Michael. Have I been guarded? <laughs> I don't think I've been guarded. What okay, do you, really you want to know? You've been holding your spoilers pretty close to the vest, I think. So, <laughs> I think I, the only thing I said is to come watch Crystal's interview on Friday. Okay, okay. Hey, tell me this. Did, did Tom and Jess Walton share scenes together uh, on his original run on the show, or no? Was it all, was it, was it all Brenda Dixon? No, uh, he says just and him did work together. Okay, see, I you know I've been watching that show forever and I can't remember when when Jess came in and and when Brenda left and and how it corresponded with Tom's exit. Right, right. I mean, I know that he was thrilled to work with Trish again, um, you know, and there was a story that you know she saw him bartending when he was an out of work actor and he was bartending at the Soap Opera Digest Awards. And mm-hmm. there he was. You know, it was a really difficult time for him. He had no work. He had left Young and the Restless, mm-hmm. and there he was. You know, and and he felt that she was the nicest person to him because and his his family was a wreck at that time, and family was a wreck at the time. And his background is so it's such a harsh, harsh story. Um, you know, many of you know that his brother Troy killed his mother with a baseball bat and beat her to death, and is. Um, you know, very mentally challenged and disturbed, and then his other brother committed suicide. Um, it's just a really gut-wrenching story. And yeah. he is from Wisconsin, from Kenosha, Wisconsin. And, um, you know, he wrote the book Forgiving Troy, and he's had so much to deal with in his personal life. And he's, you know, I, I think what he's doing is trying to, you know, through his art and his artistic stuff is to just help 
the pain of a lot of that and and get that out. But it's it was it's a terrible story, but also uplifting. I mean, he is he sees his brother all the time, Troy, um, and even through everything that happened to his mom. So wow. I can't ima- I can't even imagine how tough that must be. I mean, I just I can't even fathom it. No, I mean he. And he's very open about talking to it, and I think it's cathartic, and I think he wants to help people. And certainly in this article, uh, when we did the one with Advocate, I was just, you know, forward. I, I, I always, in interviewing people, because I interview so many people, and I have for so long, the interviews that always, you know, mean, you know, I get, I get thrilled or, you know, get into it when I hear that they're opening up and they're really telling me about themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I, I want to come away, and I always want to give people that read the articles or the features something about them. I want them to feel when they've read an interview that I've done with a soap actor that they've gotten to know something else about them other than just, you know, the great story point. Because sometimes mm-hmm. they can't tell. You know, I wish I could get everyone to, you know, give their spoilers. But, you know, that's not going to always happen yeah. um, because they're not – they can't. Um, legally, they can't. You know, they're, they have contracts. You can't just divulge a story, you know, willy-nilly. Um, but we always try to give stuff to them about storyline, and we also try to give some human interesting about them because I think these people are, are interesting. And, if you know, we're, we're very unique in that we're very, like I said, we're a genre that sometimes supports stepchild and sometimes people don't realize <laughs> the power of it. Absolutely. And now, I just, so I try to bring everybody the stars that, you know, no matter where you are, when I do the audio, I want you to be able to hear them in their own words, not only read it, because it makes it more real. Mm-hmm. And when you hear them speak, it's always interesting how we always infer when someone, oh, she said this, and it reads differently like than the way they said it. Mm-hmm. So if I can provide the audio in an opportunity, I, I like to do that so you can actually hear them other than just reading it on a page. Yeah. You know, we mentioned the Emmys earlier and you producing them. What are your thoughts on the Emmys this year, going to the CW Vanessa Williams hosting, the nominations have just been released. Uh, what are your thoughts the on, on Emmy 2009? Okay. I am a big, as you know, obviously from doing the daytime Emmys and producing them, I am a big lover of the Emmys. Every year I've always, it's always like the big night of the year, right? Uh-huh. And the daytime never gets any recognition, so it should uh-huh. be the big celebration, big night of the year. I've been very unhappy the last several years with obviously a lot of the nominations, as a lot of people have been. I was devastated over some this year. Um, you know, I I I floored by some of the picks, and it's hard to you know get behind some of it. That being said, you know I have spoken with the production. I've spoken with the people over at um, ATI. I, I you know about what they're doing. Um, you know, and and telling them from my perspective that we need we need new blood into this telecast. That mm-hmm. you know they cannot just. From from my expert standpoint, from the industry, that we can't just do what's been done before. I think they know that things have to change, and that the last couple of broadcasts have been really off the mark. Yes. And I know that they're going to try. You know, I know they visited all the sets. I know that Roger Newcomb's reported that that they visited all the sets. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they're trying to get a feel for it. But again. Um, you know, it's a new company, which I hope would give it a new, um, you know, new a new look, a new mm-hmm. outlook on it. But again, I don't know. They may bring. I hear they may bring some people from the past back in, you know, who've worked on Emmys. So, you know, I don't. I don't know. Um, I'm interested to see it on the CW in a neutral territory. I mean, Vanessa Williams is a great host. I mean, she could be great. Um, you know, 
it, but again, it depends how it's written. It depends how it's executed. It depends that it's not dummy down to the soap audience. Um, and I mean, the nominees, I'm thrilled Susan Haskell is my pick. Absolutely. My pick. So, Absolutely. like, I, all I can tell you is, if that wouldn't have been in there, I wouldn't watch. Because, <laughs> but I have been saying there was nothing better than Susan Haskell. And I also, and I had Debbie Morgan in there, too. I mean, those two women mm-hmm. gave amazing performances. But Susan Haskell, to me... I tell you what, I you know I don't know I know we haven't seen the reels yet, but if she submitted what she should have submitted, I don't think there's any way that right. she can be beat. I don't think there's Correct. any way. Correct. And I'm going to say I have not seen all the reels yet. I'm going to be doing that shortly, um, but I'm just going off of what I think you're thinking. So um, of the of what she would have submitted, um, you know, the lead actors I had problems with, you know, some of the choices, but Crystal Chappelle, I go back to that. She will say in the interview you will read on Friday that she was on the committee uh, for lead actor, and that Peter Reckles' reel was phenomenal. Um, and, he, and so she thought he should have been in there, um, according to her. Um, you know, he, he's one of those guys that's been around for so long and been so good at the, at the, at the thing that he does that uh-huh. you, you almost forget how good he is. I mean, he's one of those guys like John Hensley and Robert Newman. Right, you forget. Uh, you just yeah. take it for granted and forget. And because he's so good at being the true blue hero that, that you, you, take it, you just completely take it for granted. Correct. And, you know, again, I, my favorite, my actor of the year was Trevor St. John. It was, been, it was the other year. He's not in there. You know, so again, that's hard for me. Um, he didn't make it again. And... Well, and where is Eric Braden? He did phenomenal well, work. In, in, Eric in Braden isn't in there. Melody wasn't in there. I mean, we, we know that there were so many. Crystal Chappelle's not in there. Um, there's so many goofs in it. Um, I thought Kathy Breyer should have been in there. I mean, I had a lot of people that didn't make it. I'm really happy Van Hansis got in. You uh-huh. know, I think that's great. I think Jeff Branson deserved to get in. Um, you know, what a terrific actor he is, and, and he's, he's great. great with Kim Zimmer. Uh, great. Christian LeBlanc, I knew would get in for the It's a Wonderful Life episode, which uh-huh. was tremendous. I spoke with Christian, and you know, he said that they don't – and I wanted to also say, you know, we always think that these actors get an Emmy show. He said that's not how it works. He says it really wasn't this is your Emmy show we're writing this. It was just an episode they wrote with Christian in mind, uh-huh. and it becomes you know your Emmy show. But, it, you know – he actually thought of not submitting it, he said, and then he had some talks with Michelle and other people, and he huh. did submit it. I mean, I think that was a f- performance that was amazing. And my other favorite performance of last year was Torsten Kay with Myrtle Died. Now, I don't know what Torsten submitted, yeah, but I, I also liked that. Um, but certainly, I'm not thrilled with the nominations. I can't believe all my children led the nominations. I was not a fan of the tornado. I was not a fan of the helicopter. I don't agree that the CGI effects look great in soap operas. I tend to think, and I've gone on record as saying this, that when you look at the way they look, it looked like the stars were cardboard cutouts against the backdrop. (laughs) Uh Especially in that tornado. Like I remember going, why am I looking like there's sticking out like I cut uh-huh. them out and pop them in there. So for me, it's really hard to get behind that. So that being said, we know we've got that from all my children. We know we've got the storm suicide from Bold and Beautiful, and we've got uh-huh. the plane crash from Dave. Interesting, right? Because none of these would have been my, you know, I didn't foresee any of that. Um, except I figured, like, the tornado might get in because if you don't watch soap operas, you go, oh, special effects, let's put it in. Yeah, yeah. 
but the only one that had any emotional truth in it, isn't it really bold and beautiful? And isn't it really a little bit of days? Um, so it's interesting to see what will happen there. I yeah. was very unhappy with the choices. I think YNR and One Life to Live deserved nominations through the roof mm-hmm. um, in those categories, and they weren't there. Um, so many people, um, you know, I thought, I was surprised Kim Zimmer Gina took that whole group didn't get in either. Um, I know Susan Flannery just did a monologue for her nomination. She was talking about Eric Langmuir or something, and I and that got her a nomination. I was a little bit surprised. Susan yeah. Flannery's always great, but again, Catherine Kelly Lang never gets in. Mm-hmm. You know, so what does what does Laura Wright have to do to get an, to get an Emmy nomination? I don't know. I mean, I was absolutely I convinced know. that this was her year with the whole Michael I shooting, know you such a big the Laura miscarriage. Wright I know. She, uh, she has, was phenomenal this year, and I, you know, I was just convinced that this was her year. I thought Laura Wright carried, carried the show, and she had so much material. And I have to tell you, originally, and I adore Laura, originally I was like, you know, again, I was hard, because like, I love Tamara Braun as Carly. So I was like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> here we go. But then, you know, by last year, I was really digging Laura Wright, and I thought mm-hmm. she was great. And I watch her every day. Every single day, the, and, and Drew Garrett said this best in the interview I did with him, that the way that she navigates so many emotions per day, the level of emotion that she has to play as an actress, I don't really see other actors having to play day in and day out. She's up and down, up and down, crying. Absolutely. You know, up and down. I mean, you have to realize it's not easy to do, and she does it every day. Well, and, and you know, the, the thing about the way they write her is one day she's a, she's a nosy shrew, one day she's a loving mother, one day she's a sexy wife. You know, I mean, it's it's a completely different color every day that she has to put on. Yes, and I do think, you know, again, though, we, we talk about what did everybody submit for their one show, and this year they got one show. You know, the rules changed. The, the rules of the voting have really got to be, it's got to be figured out better than it is, and this has been the problem with the daytime Emmy process. You know, before it was two shows. I liked the idea of two shows to show a range, but everybody complained that they had to sit at home and watch 57 hours of people's DVDs, and they didn't want to do that because now the voting takes place not necessarily in a, you know, in a room. The old way was you'd sign up and you'd all go into a room and there'd be 25 people on a blue ribbon panel and you'd sit there and watch the five nominees in your category. Now everybody's taking the nominees home, filling out their ballot and you know sending it in. Um, the thing is that with one show, you've got one opportunity to show one thing, and that, and again, you know, you can only use one episode. And now you're finally, I guess, you're able to take out a scene if you're standing in the background, where <laughs> before you had to include it in there. <laughs> so some of the things have changed, but it's still a flawed process. It's still a flawed process, and it's very hard, especially in daytime when you have, you know, you're on 264 days a year or whatever that comes out to be. Mm-hmm. You know, picking one episode to mm-hmm. represent your performance, it's taken out of context. So it is a game. You have to realize it is a game. You're playing the game. How do I beat the system and how do I play the game? And the people that play the game the best move to the front and get an award. Sometimes that's how I feel about it. Um, and their work is incredible, but they, there is a way to win. There is, you have to look at it from, sure. if I don't know the show, if I don't know One Life to Live, and I'm watching this, does this, does this work out of, out of time? Does it work sure. out of not watching the show? And that's exactly why things like It's a Wonderful Life work so well it's just, uh, as, as standalone episodes, because right. you, you don't lose. need any context. That's a, right, you can't, I don't see how that can lose. 
Yes. I mean, I think Christian's got the reel to beat. Because if you look at that reel, he was all over the place. He gave a beautiful performance. He was up and down. It told a story from beginning, middle to end. You want the, you want your reel to have a beginning, middle, and end, so you feel like you've watched something. So he's got that with that show. Um, Peter's got the episode, I think, when Pops Brady's dying in the plane, mm-hmm. or the aftermath, I think. Um, so there's a beginning, middle, end. There, there's things about that, that that appeal to people that are voting but again mm-hmm. it's one show now and then and you know the winners are already known you know that uh, yeah yeah okay so that's Which, i don't like that either i kind I, of, I, I hate it i, I hate it. it because if i'm an actor and i okay if i go okay my competition is christian torsten tony daniel right and i'm going uh, thinking i got i would have a different strategy my next reel perhaps than mm-hmm. i would do the first time you're not allowed to do that anymore it's just kind of like you know, they streamlined it so much that it kind of like, who, you know, where's the fun in it? Like, wouldn't you like to, you know, I would, you know, it's just you have to pick out another reel and actors don't like doing that, but there is no second round, so. Absolutely. And, you know, that's what I worry about with Susan Haskell, because if you don't know the history of that show and the history of that character, uh, it, it may not play if you don't know the context. It, it You know, it, it, part of... Part of the strength of that storyline and those performances was the fact that you knew the history and you were invested in the character of Marty. Well, there was so much backstory. Yeah. There's so much backstory that played into what happened. And, yeah. you know, I will never, you know, I've, it leaves me an indelible impression in my mind as to Christian's performance, but certainly Susan's, you know, when she found out and realized the truth mm-hmm. and was in that room with a gun. Mm-hmm. You know, and just those powerful moments to me were like, oh, I was like, oh my God. I remember blogging about it. I remember just being blown away. And, and I've seen her do it a couple times. I saw her do it a few weeks ago when she remembered everything. Mm-hmm. Um, not, you know, I thought those were great moments. I mean, she's incredible. She's incredible. And her scenes, her scenes with Hillary at the hospital when they were sitting on the floor, kind of hashing oh. everything out, what happened. Those, oh. were, those were the powerful scenes to me. Oh, those were the- oh. I mean, she breaks my heart, and she's so realistic, and she plays things in an interesting way. Um, and I was so thrilled that she's on and not Christina Chambers. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Christina. I'm sorry. You know, Christina but, was great, and she no, tried her. I she tried her I... dead level best. I mean, she tried her level best, <laughs> and they they put her in an in an untenable. And situation. there is an example of what we're talking about. I mean, yeah, that was really really difficult. You, that was hard to watch, um, but I mean Susan's performances were, were incredible. Um, you know, Debbie Morgan, I thought, was incredible during you know when she finds out Jesse's alive and all that. That was great stuff. She was what made that story good for me. She's what I look forward to seeing because she can deliver all sorts of emotion and and depth in her performances. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Mara West, I, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> um, you know, she's always good. Sure, but she's been stuck in a rut for a while now. But she's doing kind of in her storyline. Yeah, she's always good. Um, and then Jeannie Cooper had the year of her life. I mm-hmm. mean, Jeannie Cooper really had. It was great to see her front and center mm-hmm. for the whole year. Absolutely. I mean, she had so much to do, and she's pro- and I know that she submitted the scenes where Catherine goes and Marge is in the bar and Marge is drunk and, you know, I think it's that scene where she's trying to help her. Yeah. Um, you know, but again, it's that dual personality Emmy thing. 
you know, but it's Jeannie Cooper. Yeah. But she won last year. So it's kind of like, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I hope the Emmys are a good show. I I really do. We need it really bad. I don't think we can take another hit of another low-rated <laughs> daytime Emmys broadcast. Um and well, so you know, I, if if the Emmys draw the same audience, even if they draw the same audience they did last year, it's going to be a smash for the CW. I mean, it's going to be their it's going yeah, to be their and that's most the other thing. And that's the other thing that I think it's very interesting to me as somebody who pushes new concepts for the genre, if it's even the radio, the internet, or whatever I'm trying to do. You know, it's always interesting. Well, it's only got a three point da da da, and I go, but yeah, but these primetime shows have got a two point, three point, and they're being canceled. I don't <laughs> yeah, get it. Why uh-huh. is this? You know, so this never, this does not register with me. And I guess I just don't. I, I, I'm floored. Like, don't you see that sixty of these shows got canceled on primetime because they had a three point, and they're not even on. And then they're telling me about how low rated the soaps are. So, you know, it's really a tough. Uh, Someone's got to wake up, and yeah. but also the soaps have got to do a better job at, you know, promoting themselves and looking for new ways and outlets to promote themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think they, you can see that they're doing some tie-ins with different things, but I, but I hope it will expand the audience. But you also have to give them really interesting stories. Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, regarding the Emmys, I've, I've, I'm sure as you have, I've been reading the the notes from the executive producer or whoever he is, the, mm-hmm. the guy that's been writing to Roger Newcomb on, on WeLoveSoaps.com and, right. or, or .net, rather. And uh, he seems to be a really with-it guy who seems dedicated to you know, putting on a great show that really honors the genre in a, in a positive uh, way. Yes, and again, I, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, he certainly did his due diligence by going to the sets and talking to the people and learning about it. Absolutely. I mean, I think it would be really bad if you didn't. And I think he did the right thing by going and learning about it than just saying, I'm just going to put on an Emmy show on the soap operas. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I did speak with um, – I can't kind of go into the whole thing, but, you know, I did speak the other week with somebody, and I said I, – like I said to you over there that I think it's really important to really breathe some new blood in there. And I, I think they know the Emmy I, – I personally know that they know that the Emmy broadcast was not great last year. Mm-hmm. So – We'll see. Well, I tell you what, it's been my great thrill to become friendly lately with a terrific Brooklyn gal by the name of Connie Heyman, ah. who has written about soaps under the Marlena De La Croix moniker for about 20 years now. I love and she, Connie. She wrote me on Facebook today, and she told me to ask you what it was like to be her boss at Sony. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to be sure to get that question in before we wrap oh, this up. What was it like to be Marlena De La Croix's <laughs> boss at Sony? Yes. I have to admit it, I was Marlene De La Croix's boss. First you have to tell all, us all about this because I had no idea. Yes, I was Marlene De La Croix's boss. I thought Marlene De La Croix was the most hysterical thing. Like I just loved the whole vibe of what Connie did. Absolutely. I Marlene De La Croix was the greatest thing. I thought we've got to have, you know, Soap City was really, I wanted it to be this great celebration of this online platform that reached out to wherever you are in America or wherever you were that you could get close to your stars. And I wanted it to be funny and fun. And she just had this great writing. And this way. And I said, listen, will you do, you know, I want you to do a column. Um, and I want you to do it like every month. And she did. And we would work together and we would put her thing up there and I 
love her work. I wow. still Me too. do. Me so, too. So yes, I was her boss, and I would tell her, "Where's your Where's your column, Connie? <laughs> Arlena de la Croix." <laughs> and I, and you know, first of all, I, I kept thinking, is, and here's the truth. Do you want to know what you guys? I thought Marlena Ducroix had to be a guy. I didn't. Me too. Me too. I'm thinking the whole time. I'm like to my. I'm so I'm saying to my staff. I'm like, I know this Marlena de la Croix. Some guy sitting in the absolutely house writing yes. this thing. It's got to be a guy. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. they're like, you think? I go, yes, I'm sure this is a man. And I'm thinking because I'm a man thinking it's got to be a man because who uh-huh. else would come up? You know, because I would come up with Marlena Delacroix. The name was just so like, <laughs> right? It would be like, okay, I'm going to call myself Marlena Delacroix and write a soap column. <laughs> and then I said, wait a minute, Connie. And then when I, I spoke to Connie, I go, oh, my God, you're really a woman. <laughs> I'm, I'm devastated. <laughs> so, no, it was great. She's terrific, and I would, you know, I hope someday to work with Connie again. I I think she is a tremendous asset, and I think her writing is so well done, and and funny and irreverent, and uh, I just can't say enough great things. And so, talk about opinionated. I mean, my God. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. You know, we you know, <laughs> some people get away with being opinionated better than others. So she does a good job. <laughs> well, she has a, she has a particular that. joie about her that that really works. Joie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, is any of that stuff archived where we can go back and look at it, or is it is it gone forever? You know, I think it may be gone forever. I saved myself some of the old. You know, I think I put a lot of it on disc when I knew I was going away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll have to look into that. But it's certainly, I don't think it's anywhere online. Okay. But I think I may have some of it. Maybe I could pull it out and. Uh, That'd be pretty fun. That would be totally That'd great. That'd be really you know, I, funny. Yeah. I mean, this was 1997 to 2000, 2001. Um, that's when I was at Soap City for those four years. Yeah. And, um, and Connie was there the whole time with me, you know? <laughs> well, I had her on this show a couple weeks ago, and, you know, it was, such a, it was such a great thrill when she came back to, you know, Soap Critiques after, after several years away. It was really great that, that she found a home online because, now, you know... Now, where's Moose? <laughs> He's a behind-the-scenes guy, I understand. I thought Moose was the husband. Yeah, he is. Okay. Because I always thought, I go, who's Moose? And then I was <laughs> thinking, like, so the other thing I was thinking was, like, so there's this guy named, Con- you know, I'm thinking, okay, so Marlena did a a man in Idaho with her partner named Moose. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, this is not making any sense to me. This is real. You know, it was really funny. And cause she kept saying, Moose said... And there was Moose, and I'm like, what? I go, what are you writing? <laughs> <laughs> she had us all fooled. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. I'm like, what are you writing? Moose. <laughs> what Moose? <laughs> I'm just so glad. You know, it's been it's it's really great to know. We when Soap City was created, it was such a labor of passion and love and dedication and hard work to really absolutely get and around. you know and back in so back in those days, who knew from the internet? Who knew what it was going to become? Knew. Yeah. Who knew? And it was so interesting because I I saw all of this. Like I knew, like I saw it all, envisioned in my. I could see what could be done with it, and we did so many great things with the webcasts and the parties and the chats and. 
all the ways we did it and the humor and, and the brand, the daily dose was, you know, our medication prescription of how we told the, the, the updates. And we did this great stuff and it was so groundbreaking because nobody had done it. And it, it became bigger than I had dreamed that I thought. Um, and it was so enjoyed. And then, you know, but then it was very costly to do. And, mm-hmm. You know, the, there was, you know, I kind of felt like the guiding light <laughs> of the production module. <laughs> well, when I look at it now, you know, I kind of, I realize that. I kind of look at it like we were the, we were the pioneer because we Absolutely. would put on, no question we would, about it. We would put on webcasts and I'd be standing there like, hi, it's Michael and I'm at the yeah. stage of Young and the Restless. And those things would cost like ten to twenty thousand dollars to put on. Wow! You know, there were, those were expensive to do. I mean, we were trying to find ways of technology to stream the show. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we had we had stabs of camera crews and people and um, so many technicians. I mean, I can only tell you it took a lot of manpower back then to put that up. I mean, and, and towards the end, I was finally taping my own one-on-one talk show in a studio. I mean, all these things were never done before. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I can, and honestly, obviously, we were way ahead of its time. Um, because after that, the Internet boomed. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like if I would give anything to take that now to where we are now. <laughs> you know, but it was all like the timing. But um, it certainly was ahead of its time. and No uh, question about it. You know, I was thrilled to to be able to do it. I mean, I, I'm to this day. I, I will always have that. And uh, the last day was the worst um, when I had to sign off on air. So City Michael with Christian LeBlanc, Michelle Stafford, Jeannie Cooper, and Peter Bergman. We were on camera at the YNR 25th anniversary, I think it was. And wow. I said, I'm, and I hadn't told anybody because I didn't want anyone to be upset that I it was you know I was going to leave and this was the end. And um, I remember them holding my hand, and I was really teary-eyed because I said, "I just want to say goodbye. I'm signing off." And they're looking at me like, De- "Like what?" And I go, "Yes, I'm no longer going to be doing this." <laughs> and I just felt like I'm going to, I'm going to say it. You know, I'm another one believer in like not hiding it, and this is what's going on. And I, you know, yeah. it was the last thing I did, and I said goodbye, and I left after my four-year contract, and because I saw kind of the way it was going and it was going in a different direction and they were building a different business model and they were trying to figure out revenue streams that I don't think were working for its time. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, it was so sad. It was so hard for me to say goodbye with them holding my hand. I mean, remember Jeannie Cooper? It was really tough. And I look back at the tape and I do have that tape and maybe someday I'll put that online. You could see that they were all bewildered. Like, what, what? <laughs> Like you're leaving now? Because I did the Young and the Restless website. I created their website that's still up there today. Yeah. Um, that's the original kind of, you know, it's it's obviously got its new tweaks and twists mm-hmm. to it, but that was the original kind of template I had created with, with the show. And um, I've always been, you know, very close with the Young and the Restless actors because we had went through so much mm-hmm. online together on in, in live. <laughs> so... Well, let's tell people where they can find you now online. You've got your website, which is Michael Fairman on Air on Soaps, and it's Michael that can be, right. Yeah. Go ahead. yeah, that's the that's the name of the site, and it can be found at michaelfairmansoaps.com, all one word. Right. Um, so that's your website. You're on XM Radio Channel 24, the Pink Channel. Um, right. And that's Soap Break, and, and just so everybody knows, that's six. Those are daily features. There's two a day, 
and they run throughout the day parts, and you never know. They're, they're, they're rotated in a random kind of situation with the other features. So you could be in your car listening to satellite radio, and there you'll hear it. And, again, there's usually six or seven stars per week, and they're rotated on a two-week basis. So you'll hear, you know, like Catherine Kelly Lang for two weeks talking about either a storyline, evergreen piece, something about her, and those are on, on there. Okay. And how how often do they get traded? I mean, is it is it hourly or is it uh, every two hours or is there any rhyme or reason to it in terms of? There's not. There, it, you know, I wish I could say there was a rhyme or reason to it, but I know there's two per day. So you you have to. It'll they come on two. I believe a couple times a day, and it may not be the same actor. So you can't. I can't. It's a kind of a random scheduling that they've never really. So you can't like go at the top of the hour and hear Tanya Lee Williams, for instance. Okay. It's, it's random throughout the day. Um, and then advocate.com, obviously. Every bi-monthly, um, there is a column now called Soapside Advocate's Guide to Daytime. So tomorrow is a new column in the morning. Um, when I get off the phone, I'm going to be writing more of it. Um, wow, okay. So I have a busy night ahead. But uh, <laughs> we try to keep it very current. Oh, current, you know. Um, so that's every two, every two weeks, there will be a new column at advocate.com on, on the soaps. Excellent. And then, as well, anything featured with a gay storyline or an actor that might be of interest to the LGBT audience, we will have featured in interviews. And Crystal Chappelle's interview will be on Advocate.com on Friday. Fantastic. Uh, and uh, and then I also write for TV Soap Australia, so I cover the soaps for Australia. And in Australia, there are only three United States soap operas on, and that's Bold and the Beautiful Days of Our Lives and The Young and the Restless. So it's only those actors from those shows. And do do they run concurrently to here, or do they are they no. on a delay? No, they're on a delay. And I wanted to let people know that later in the week to check Michael Fairman soaps in the global section <coughs> where the TV Soap Australia articles are. We put up the PDF file, so the printed articles that you can actually read online that are in Australia now on the newsstand. So there's a new interview with Dan Goddard. There's a new interview. Um, with John McCook, there is a new one with um, Sharon Case and Joshua Morrow that's done just for the Australian audience. They are nine months behind with YNR and Days of Our Lives, um, but they're only a few months behind with The Bold and the Beautiful. Okay. So, what is that noise? Do you hear anything? I don't hear anything. I wonder what I'm hearing. Oh, I'm hearing you on the. <laughs> I'm hearing you on my computer. Okay. All of a sudden, I heard you going, hi, this is Brandon's buzz. <laughs> so for those who don't get XM, can we also hear your soap break clips online somewhere or no? Yes, yes, yes. So here's the thing. everybody. I don't think people know this, and I've tried to direct them to this on the website. If you go to the media gallery and roll over the navigation, it says soap break. Click on it, and you can hear all the latest soap breaks. There are all the audios there. Um, right now, I know we have Brian DeTillo up there, Darren Brooks, um, Jack Wagner, Joshua Morrow, Kristen Alderson, Trisha Cast. There's a whole list, and they're archived, so you can hear. If you don't have XM, every few weeks they're posted at Michael Fairman Soaps, so you don't have to have XM. But I encourage people to go check that out because it's really, really cool because there is no feature on radio on the soaps like that, on syndication of satellite radio, that really promotes the shows Absolutely. and the stars. So, you know, we'd love people to, if not hear it on XM because you don't have it in your car or, you know, at your home, 
please come to Michael Fairman Soaps and go to the soap breaks in the media gallery, and you can you can find it. Also, um, you know, we continually have the audio posted with the interviews. I have new interviews coming up usually every you know week. There's usually one or two interviews posted, and um, I won't tell you who. <laughs> <laughs> and see, I was just about to ask you what's on the horizon for Michael. Well, I'll Fairman. tell you what's on the horizon. <laughs> I can't tell you everything. Um, for Michael Fairman, well, obviously, I'm going to be talking to Stacey Haydick okay. tomorrow, so you'll probably see an interview with her coming okay. up next week. Um, I told you Martha Byrne. I'm talking with Peter Reckle. I'm talking with Rick Hurst. I'm talking with Forbes March. So there's a lot of good stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. Excellent. So, you know, just keep checking. Um, you know, this week we're doing – I did a – Farewell to Kathy Breyer today. I really wanted to put my thoughts down on her last day and kind of revisit her. So there's a new blog tonight on Kathy Breyer, a tribute to her, wow. um, because I felt like somebody needed to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, you know I she... really, you know, I was very moved by her. And since 2002, when she appeared, she created something that was very unique. I mean, here was a girl that wasn't the most beautiful, perfect woman, and she Damn created right. this character for all she's worth. And her journey was such so painful to watch, and she gave performances that were Emmy worthy. Uh-huh. And you know, you know, also Marcy had a gay brother on the show, and yeah. she was the only person to accept her brother and that family. And there was just a lot of great moments. So I really felt this week to give ode to Kathy Breyer, kind of thing. I felt the need to do that. Um, so. You know, she yep. got she got so jerked around on that show, and part of it was the turnover of writers and the turnover in the executive suite. But, you know, she got so jerked around and, and kind of mishandled on that show, and she always kept her dignity throughout. Uh, she did. It, I mean, it would be it, nice to see her. It would have been nice to see her not in a baby story anymore, you know, giving her something else to do. <laughs> and, you know, your heart breaks for her because, you, you know, you watch her get her hopes up, you watch her get the baby, and then she loses the baby, and then she gets her hopes up again, and then she gets the baby. Well, and if there's anyone the that I'm going to watch, well, because it became like, if there's anybody I want to watch be put upon, and it's her. Yeah. And you felt like you could, I just couldn't wait. <laughs> it's, like, it's like watching, you know, being really feeling guilty for wanting to see her having angst and being put upon. But I did, because she made me cry. Well, know, she, she was so was, terrific with it. I mean, she was, you know, one of the all-time great tragedians in in daytime history. I mean, she's right up there with Sidney Penning and Jackie Courtney and... Oh, yeah. Jackie Courtney. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I I just recall so vividly, and I, I did mention this in the blog, that, you know, the episode where, you know, of course, she had Vicky in the diner and the whole thing with the kidnapping and having the baby. It was just, oh, it was so horrible. And watching her kind of, you know, so desperate to keep that child. And there were other moments, too. I mean, I... I so remembered today when I was sitting writing the blog, I remember watching the Valentine's Day episode where she realized, you know, Al was Michael or Michael was, you know, uh-huh. she realized the souls were together and she looked in his eyes. She was great in an unbelievably stupid story. <laughs> okay. like No she, question about it. No, I'm saying, like, I was like, what is this? <laughs> What is this? And then I'm like, all right, I kind of believe it. Okay, I do. And I really did. Yeah. And I, you know, I really did. And she made me buy it. I mean, she made me believe it. And I felt so good. I mean, it was sad. You know, she was, she loved him so much. And now she gets a second chance. She pulled that off. I mean, uh-huh. that was a, a kind of a ridiculous storyline. Uh-huh. And she pulled it off. And I, I'm- you know, I, I hate to say, and I said to people, 
in the blog, well, you'll get to see her as part of the Divas of Daytime. But, I mean, that's no consolation, but, you know, I, I just wish her all the success, and I hope we see her back on Daytime, and I, I hope she finds uh, something else, and, you know, she's she's a, a, a tremendous loss. I mean, she's a very talented girl, so... You know, with them letting her go and letting A. Martinez go, it makes you wonder what's going on back there. And you know, they're keeping they're keeping Crystal Hunt and they're keeping you know all these people that that nobody really cares about, and they're losing the the people that you would watch you know in a in a burlap sack. It's it's really crazy that it is hard to swallow. It is hard. Yeah. It is hard to go. Well, what are you really doing when you <laughs> you're like you, you're having the Stacy Festival and then you lose them? But you you hope to think that you want to think that there will be some payoff here and some absolutely you know, is a, you know we like I said with days of our lives we I was we were all were furious at letting the veterans go now you kind of look at it and you talk to people in the industry that I talk to every day and they're like you know I kind of think this is working now mm-hmm. you know we may say that about one life to live you know some of the losses that we have to go through to get to the other side mm-hmm. yeah. seems to be what happened and sometimes there's mistakes made along the way like we've seen so exactly well, I'll tell you what, I've had such a great time talking to you. It's been such such fun. I know we were only scheduled for 90 minutes, and we've blown past two hours. We have? It kinda, yeah, it flew by in a in a minute. I don't even know what time it was. I'm <laughs> still talking to myself out loud. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's been great, great fun talking to you. Talk. <laughs> really, it was a, It was a great, great thrill having you on the show. Before I let you go, I, I need two things from you. Yes. My best friend, Sherry Ann is the biggest General Hospital fan, and she's been in the chat room, and she's been uh, chatting with me on IM, and she would very much like for you, like for me to have you say hi to her. <laughs> I know that's incredibly unprofessional, but... Oh, no, hi, but, how do I... What do you mean, hi? Like, is she in the chat room or on, on the phone? She's, she's in the chat room right now, and she just wants you to say hi, Sherry Ann. Hi, Sherry Ann, what's up? Why don't you call me? <laughs> she's going to call in next time. I'm going to make her call in. We can sit and watch soaps together and, and throw things at the TV. Absolutely. You know, she loves she loves General Hospital. She loves making fun of General Hospital. And so she's been following along in the in the chat room all night, and, and she's been having fun listening to us gab about anything and Have everything. Have there been people in your chat room? <coughs> Absolutely. The chat room was full. The The switchboard was full of phone calls. It was a uh, – we, we really drew a crowd here. Oh, good. Yeah. Now, what's the second favor? <laughs> if you would do a promo for my show, I would be in a hog heaven. Of course. As long as you say the words Michael Fairman and Brandon's Buzz, anything else is up to you. Anything else you say. Okay. And I'm tape I'm taping now, so anytime you're ready, oh. shoot. <laughs> this is Michael Fairman from MichaelFairmanSoaps.com, and you are listening to the only place to get the buzz, Brandon's Buzz. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much. It was a great thrill having you here, and you're welcome back anytime. All right. Have a good night. (laughs) You too. Thanks, Michael. Bye-bye. The fantastic Michael Fairman, everybody, on Brandon's Buzz. Brandon's Buzz coming to a close for June 17th, 2009. Don't forget, tomorrow I've got Brenda Russell, the great Brenda Russell, Piano in the Dark. Uh, That's at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, uh, tomorrow, June 18th. Next week, Tuesday, I've got... Young and the Restless star Beth Maitland coming back for a return appearance with her new business partner, Joel Brooks. They're going to talk about AuditionsLA.com, their new website that is dedicated to helping aspiring young actors uh, master the audition process. And it's going to be a great conversation about that, about acting, about life, 
It's going to be great fun. You don't want to miss it. That's Tuesday. Thursday of next week, I've got actress Terry Garber from North and South, from Santa Barbara, from As the World Turns, uh, and she's going to talk about her extraordinary career. So three great shows lined up in the next week. And uh, as I said at the top, brandonsbuzz.com is my blog. You can find all the information about the show there. You can also find me at the show's official website, www.blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz. Uh, from there, you can listen to old shows, you can download old shows, and you can uh, leave comments, and you can send me messages, emails, tell me what you like, tell me what you don't like, tell me what you'd like to see on the show, what I could be doing better, what I'm doing well. By all means, send me comments, send me questions, please. Um, also, you can find me on iTunes. I'm on iTunes, guys. Type in Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box, scroll down to the podcast section, click on my logo, from there, you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes immediately download to your iTunes library the minute they're uploaded to the music store, or you can download individual old shows as podcasts, and I encourage you to do that. Um, uh, you, know, you can listen to the show on your iPod. You can listen to it on your computer. I'm all over the Internet, and there's no excuse not to be able to find me. I'm on Twitter. I'm Brandon's Buzz, all one word on Twitter. I am on Facebook at facebook.com slash Brandon's Buzz. I'm on MySpace. Uh, I'm all over the Internet. There's literally no excuse not to be able to find me. Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and uh, my likeness or something pointing to me will certainly pop up in your browser, and I encourage you to do that. By all means, as I said, uh, send me messages, listen to the shows, rate the shows, uh, and tell me what you think. It's been great fun putting this together for you guys, for the fans, and uh, I appreciate any and all feedback. So, Brenda Russell tomorrow, Beth Maitland, Joel Brooks next week, along with Terry Garber. Thank you so much for listening to Michael Fairman. Thank you so much to Michael Fairman for participating on Brandon's Buzz. And uh, I appreciate you guys listening, and stay tuned to Brandon's Buzz.